This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're going to be talking a lot about Snatch. Ing. Bodies. Invading bodies. And Snatches. As we're going to that Criterion Laserdisc collection and watching spine number eight, Don Siegel's Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. <clears throat> but first, RJ, how are you doing? You know, I think I give you too much credit because I usually say that you're better than that, but the sheer abundance and persistent, inappropriate dialogue that you have created between us is starting to affect me in my real life. And um, you're a bad person, I think. A lot of people think so. I heard we got some emails in, some fan letters. Uh, a lot of them were saying that, uh, you know, they like the show, but that Jared, he's just a bad dude. Bad hombre <laughs> is what a lot of people were saying. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if that's true. We could have a vote. Um, if you think Jared's a bad dude, email in. <laughs> or, uh, you know, have a Twitter alert poll. your have, local have politician. A, have a Twitter poll. Yeah, I could throw out a Twitter poll. Yeah. I've been uh, pretty active you on have the been. Uh, social media yeah, lately. You've been, ver- you've been very sexually active, I've noticed. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got, I got to go get checked soon. That's how active I've been. If uh, if you haven't seen, go check out all those forums. You know the ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some fun stuff out there, I think, on some of them. Outstanding. Fun to me. Uh, I'm fine, uh, other than <laughs> your weird, your weird uh, puns, your snatch puns, and your, your C-word puns, and all those things. <laughs> You were thinking it. Jesus. You were thinking it. Uh, yeah, I'm fine, man. Spring is almost here, maybe. It, maybe. Well, I, I think it is. Well, I don't know. It, we thought it was two weeks ago, and it snowed again. So mm-hmm. I did hear that we are still expected a huge dump of snow on April 28th, uh, which is 10 days from now. So we might get mm-hmm. 10 days of spring and then get snow again. Well, tune in next week, listeners, to find out if that snow is still on the forecast still next on week. The for- We'll see. We'll see. Get, get, I make sure you put a post-it note down. And we'll... <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll so, make a note so, of it. Yeah, so we'll see if we remember. I believe we're moving to extreme weathers now where we will only have summer and winter. There will no longer be fall or spring. It'll be seven months of snow, which we're currently at now, uh, into a somber, not quite five months of summer. It's a hell world. <laughs> Uh, I'm fine. I don't have any cool stories. No one took a shit in the urinal again this week. Uh, I didn't break my to- toilet this week. Um, all the classics. All the classics. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a bummer, you know? Kind of a uh, bummer. Well, hey, did- what, I was going to say it's the end of the semester here um, uh, on my end. So, so uh, I'm watching students graduating and wrapping things up and seeing like all these like healthy relationships they've built and i'm like what's wrong with these young children these these people are supposed to hate each other and like feed off of that hatred of one another to do better but instead they all like each other but i don't think it's really like helping them get better i'd argue those are their competitors you have to learn up front you gotta, to hate them you got to crush them you have to crush mm. them i uh, chose take, take, not to and look what happened to me yeah exactly you got to take things personally and like mm-hmm. let those things take root and really simmer, and uh, from that, those poisonous uh, plants, great things will come about from them and turn yeah. into horror movies, maybe. That's why I uh, spend every night filing uh, hate mail to local organizations uh, of places where people I hate work 
and I uh, distinctive, I specifically target them. Uh, your establishment is one of them. Uh, I'm playing the long game. I'm dropping subtle subtle hints of uh, bad things happening to different departments. It's like, oh, there's something really weird in this department. Some guy was talking about snatches and stuff. Oh, it was weird. And then uh, a couple months later, I'll, I'll do it again in a different department. So I'm telling you now because it's already in effect. You can do nothing. So in about four years, watch out, buddy. The big payoff. The big payoff, yeah. Great. So <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> nice. Anyway, uh, yeah, in a semester, spring, it's coming up. It's wonderful. Hey, we got mm-hmm. an email, RJ. We do. From which beloved fan do we have email from uh, today? From Oliver. Nice. Granger. And uh, his email, uh, he sent a, a couple a uh, little burst here, uh, here. T- entitled I don't like uh, Marvel Comics Universe films generally um, and good to know he continues but my wife is very pregnant and does like them so congratulations on that front I guess nice. uh, so it's something nice to do with her Infinity War releases 25th of April here which is a public holiday for remembrance of ex-soldiers Anzac Day all I know about Anzac Day is Anzac Biscuits which are delicious my friend Roz uh, her husband at the time was is an Australian guy and so she learned how to make Anzac biscuits and they were mm. like the best cookies I've ever had uh, so I this continuing from Oliver here uh, so I will get up at dawn to my local dawn parade then I'm heading to a lunchtime mm-hmm. screening because I am a chump I will let you know all the hot takes PS yeah. fuck was keen for the rock saw it once as a kid and loved it P.P.S. Already watched Escape from Alcatraz in preparation. Mm. Um, I would just like to point out that uh, Escape from Alcatraz, starring Clint Eastwood, was directed by Don Siegel. Whoa, there's Criterion connections everywhere. It's it's almost like I planned these things. Don't take credit in hindsight. Mm. You're like the guy, you're you're Monday uh, quarterbacking over here. don't, Don't question the booker, my friend. Uh, mm. Well, I'm pretty sure people know that I do all the heavy lifting and scheduling <laughs> for the show, so uh, they're on to you, wise guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's nice to hear from him. Mm-hmm. He will have to let us know how that Infinity War is, because as we've mentioned, it'll probably be a couple weeks before we get to it once it's out. Yeah, well, I, I saw him. Because uh, if you believe I, the internet, they've sold the most tickets in the world, and they'll be sold out for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, yeah, I, I also noticed uh, Oliver took a big shit right on Doctor Strange. Nice. <laughs> he, he regards it as the worst of, like, everything. Uh, wow. So it's like, whoa, he, daddy. He's had some hot takes, though. I believe he has uh, Ultron as number one, which I thought was a steaming pile. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's nobody knows. So all, you're all wild cards. Uh huh. Well, when are you gonna watch all these movies so you can chime in and uh, be part of the conversation? Man, I'd really have to have given up on life, or or have be like part of the or conversation, have a, or have a pregnant wife, I guess. Hmm. That likes these movies. Um. Anyways, thanks, Oliver, and all feedback, of course, is appreciated. Uh, as is our Patreon donors. Oliver is one of those. Big Josh, Oop. LK, Mike, good folk. Whoa. Thank you. And uh, anyway, we're just going to mm-hmm. keep on trucking along because this is going to be a long episode, I think. Hey, RJ, what you've been creeping on this week? Well, baby, you know this was a big week for me. 
as you've mentioned a few times. I don't know if anyone knows this, but I like aliens. Oh, yeah. yeah. So last week, though, you were a Mr. Shitting all over. Oh, it's which invasion of the body snatchers. Oh, aliens. I, uh. And now you're like, well, yeah. I, wait, this is awesome. It's all alien movies. And now RJ's like, I get it. <laughs> I hold pod aliens at the bottom tier of the alien movies. I've said many times I like what we in the know call the greys which are the uh, long, skinny bastards with the big heads. I like the gray movies, and I like the grays, because those are the ones that are real, not this made-up plant bacteria shit that uh, everyone's doing in these body snatcher movies. But anyways, uh, so I'm not huge on the body snatchers, but I do like aliens, and I did watch one alien movie. I was going to watch more, but I figured I watch an average of one or two a month anyways, so I didn't want to overdo it. People, you, you know, I'm I'm all about modesty here, and I I, I try not to overdo anything. All about moderation, as you mm. know. Uh, just like your so, alcohol. Just like my alcoholism. Oh. Anyways, um, those sounds are gonna come off weird because I made like a uh, sound, but that's not what I meant to do. Anyways, I watched one <laughs> alien movie, uh, and it was a movie that I had thought about after i watched all the pod people movies and i was just like oh shit i was like i think that movie fits in there but having never seen it i didn't know that and i was like i'm gonna watch this one i found out later that you hate the lead star <laughs> mr josh hartnett for some reason um he's a fucking ape he's an ape of a man yeah well that yeah kind forehead, of forehead wide browed he, that fucking bowl cut his haircut is pretty unflattering oh, he, in this one. He is, ugh, I can't, I, hate, I can't stand his face. Uh, well, I don't have a problem with Josh Hartnett, but uh, anyways, I watched The Faculty mm-hmm. by your buddy Robert Rodriguez, my, my good close personal friend, the Grindhouse Master, uh, from 1998. Mm-hmm. My personal history with this movie, Jared. I'd never seen it because this came out when I was eight years old and I always thought it looked real scary. And I was like, Ooh shit, that's a scary movie. I don't want to watch that. Uh, I think I had, I had probably seen glimpses, glimpses and little snips of it on like Showtime or something as a little kid. But I was always like, Ooh, no, that's like a serious fucking movie. It was like rated <laughs> R or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, that's a serious, scary movie. I'm not yeah, ready for that one. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really fuck you up. Fuck you up. That was the vibe I always got. Like, as a as a little kid, when this movie came out, that's how I feel like it was marketed. So I always had that impression. And then I forgot about it because I don't think anyone talks about the faculty anymore. Not really. But uh, this one actually uh, is a loose remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. To the point where they even mention, they break a little fourth wall there. Uh, there is a three-minute dialogue scene between two characters talking about the invasion of the Body Snatchers movies, hmm. the book that they were originally written by, and like all of that history. So there is a scene between uh, your buddy Elijah Wood and Clay uh, Clay Duvall, or whatever her name is. <laughs> Clea you Duvall, know, yeah. Clay Duvall, that sassy woman in all the 90s films. Um there's a there's a big talk about invasion of the body snatchers, so they actually do address it in this one, but they change it up a little bit. So I'm gonna hit you with this, Jared. The faculty. Have you seen this movie? I saw it in theater. Nice, nice. Yeah. Did it fuck you up? No. <laughs> okay. Because I, 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 this movie, like, if I remember 
Right. It came out like in the in August, which is the, like traditionally the dumping ground of the summer blockbuster stuff, and mm-hmm. it, it was like aimed at like you know fifteen year old me. Like it's just like hey, this is like a movie about you guys, and it's and it's spooky, but it's like Hollywood mainstream spooky, and it's just like adults mm-hmm. are bad, right? <laughs> it's that's the tagline for this is "Take me to your teacher." And then uh, part of the description is an unlikely collection of loners, leaders, nerds, and jocks to save the world from alien domination. No. And is uh, is this movie as uh, average as most Robert Rodriguez movies? Uh, yes. Yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there. So anyways, uh, the faculty is Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but it is all taking place at a high school in Iowa. So uh, what happens is the faculty, the staff, the teachers – all get um, taken over. And the body snatchers in this, you see them right away. Uh, They're not plants. They're kind of like amoeba shrimp things. So they like change it up a little bit. Like they're little things that live in water. So there's some pretty funny scenes of like the teachers are always trying to stay moist. And there's this uh, old lady, uh, Piper Lori, who I believe uh, is a Twin Peaks alumni. Um, Carrie's mom. Yeah, uh, there's a scene where she's just throwing water in her face. I thought that was really funny. So they're like these little things. uh, And they're these little shrimp amoebas. And they take over the teachers. And in about a day, they take over most of the school, except for this band of loners, leaders, nerds, and jocks, Mm -hmm. uh, which feature the – this thing has a cast like you've never seen, man. Uh, We have Josh Hartnett as the heartthrob – like bad boy who makes drugs and sells them to people like Danny Masterson, now accused rapist. Uh, you know him as Hyde from that 70s show. And uh, Wiley Wiggins, the kid from uh, Dazed and Confused who always touches the bridge of his nose and his head. So those guys do drugs. Uh, Elijah Wood is the nerd. You got uh, Jordana Brewster, Clea Duvall as like hot girl, lesbian girl who's like an outsider. Uh, you have the new kid. You have the jock. Um, you have two jocks. One is played by my boy Usher, and the other is by this guy named Sean uh, Hatosi. Who, if you saw him, you'd know him. I think this guy's like actually a pretty wicked actor, but uh, he's not very mainstream. He's in stuff. You'd recognize him. Uh, you know him from Alpha Dog. Uh, but <laughs> do anyway. I? Yeah, but so those are the kids, and then you have just a break, uh, like a smash cast of teachers. Uh, as your gym football coach, you got Mr. Robert Patrick, the T2 uh, Terminator himself. You got uh, the sexy nerd teacher, Femke Jansen, uh, Piper Laurie. Um, who do you got in here? Daniel Von Bargen, who is a Criterion alumni. Yeah, you guys figure that one out. Uh, and then you have some other fun appearances from like, uh, John Stewart as a bio teacher and, um, Shooter McGavin as a concerned parent. Ah. Uh, oh yeah. Also Selma Hayek is in this for about two seconds. So that's good. This thing's got like a crazy good cast, which is too bad that they waste them. But, um, so the teachers are taking over the school. And it kind of plays out like a lot of these body snatcher movies where uh, a good majority of the people get taken over early and then it's just kind of like a small band trying to go against them. Uh, I think this movie works 
in a lot of ways. Uh, it's got some serious 90s sweat, like real wicked 90s action. Uh, you have some uh, on the soundtrack. You have people like The Offspring, uh, which I think is wicked good. You I ha- owned this soundtrack. The soundtrack's pretty fucking good, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so you have that. Uh, you have really cool 90s stuff like people playing Game Boy Pockets with the link cable, which I really like. Um, I don't know. It's got it's got a good 90s feel, which I think I've said before. I I like that the 90s stuff a lot. Um, so it, it does work in some senses, uh, and then there are other things that are leave a little bit leave you wanting a little bit. Uh, there isn't ever really like any really good horror stuff. I guess the scariest scene is when uh, Josh Hartnett's in the shower. Or no, the football jock guy is in the shower and a really old lady comes into the shower and is like taking her clothes off and then like her scalp falls off. So that scene was pretty cool. But uh, other than that, like, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of toothless. Like one one teacher dies and he gets stabbed in the eye. And I guess that's supposed to be edgy. But uh, other than that, there's there's no real deaths. There is some. CGI that at sometimes it's not bad and then sometimes you're kind of like ooh baby. <laughs> uh, so like it's kind of like it's kind of a mixed bag. Um yeah. this the, uh, that era like man from like 95 through like 99 that is like some real uh janky CGI. It, it's funny when you turn it on the opening credits it, it's like it's exactly what you would picture it to be for like a CGI made on like a big desktop computer of like the faculty. It's like in lasers and stuff, mm-hmm. which is pretty funny. Um, but it's so there's the CGI at sometimes is bad. Sometimes it's actually not that bad, uh, but it's kind of um, weird because at the end you get a big monster battle, like a big boss monster. And it's like a huge uh, shrimp thing. And uh, at some points it's like, a, a practical effect like they did make a huge monster and uh, it's too bad they didn't use more of that because it, it looks like they actually made it which is pretty good but um no i don't know it's kind of it's like i said it's kind of toothless like they don't really have any real big deaths and then there's scenes where like when the people who are taken over they're like uh they're like oh i've been wanting to do that for so long and you're like oh you should have like played on that more like Femke Jansen's like the hot teacher and then she has like an interaction with Josh Hartnett where they talk about like condoms and stuff and you think it's like oh shit this is gonna be sexy but they don't really go for it at all and you're like you're like okay I guess like now it would be weird but uh, in the 90s that probably probably would have been okay if they had went for it (laughs) yeah Um, yeah pedophilia it's it's it was a different era in in the 90s well, well here's the thing Jared he was of age. He was over eighteen. He got held back a year. He was oh, a super senior. Oh, then, then it's fine. What's so the what? What's the problem? <laughs> they they didn't have the balls to go for it, man. No. Didn't have the balls. No. But they, even like the kids do. Like there's drugs that Josh Hartnett makes, and it, I guess that's supposed to be edgy. But eh, it's not great. Um, Robert Patrick is pretty funny in this. So I I don't know. I I liked it. Like it was entertaining to watch. Um. If you like aliens or you you're in the mood for like some 90s action, I think the faculty is pretty good, but uh, it's not like I don't know. I I wouldn't really 
talk to anyone about about the faculty other than you. And here well, we are. And well, here we are. Here we are. All I could say though is uh, I'm. I feel like I missed out when I was eight years old because if I had watched it then, I probably would have been like, "Oh, this is the best shit." I would have rented it like every every other weekend, been like, "Oh yeah, the faculty, look at that sexy teacher, look at uh, Elijah Wood getting fucking bullied." Nice. In this growly voice. In this growly voice. I don't know why I'm doing that today. I think my voice hurts a little bit, so I'm just leaning towards it. But uh, yeah, the faculty's okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's all right. Like that's, that seems it, to it, be the that's the track record of old Bob Rodriguez. I mean, it's 20 years old, and I thought it was fine watching it. I didn't think it was a big pile of shit. So and, that's and a, and a fine presentation from the Weinstein's. Mm. Yeah, the uh, third credit in big bold letters produced by Harvey and uh, whatever Bob or Bob, yeah, and, Bob, Bob and Harvey, Bob and Harvey in big big letters. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but anyways, Robert Rodriguez is okay in this. I guess <laughs> there are things I would have done different. Uh huh. But uh, you'll see that in my uh, remake of The Faculty. Can't wait. Uh huh. So, anyways, I watched that, and then you and me watched a whole bunch of stuff because it was Friday the Thirteenth. It was Friday the Thirteenth. How do you feel about that? Uh, felt pretty good about it, and uh, well, because the ongoing story of Friday the Thirteenth for me the last few years has mm-hmm. been watching a Friday the Thirteenth movie uh, in my in uh, my big rewatch of the whole series. And it started all the way back, I think in like 2015 when I only watched like one of them. And then like yep. the last few years, I think I was in the hospital one of those times. And, uh, there's just always, it's always on a Friday and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really home those nights, but this Friday I was home. And so mm-hmm. I, I got, I went deep as did you. As did I. Yeah. I've actually been doing the same thing because, um, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast before. Maybe. Uh, I never really watched these as a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah, I uh, I have seen all of them way back when, though. Like, the last yeah. time I, I watched them all through, like, this and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. when I was, like, 12 or 13. And uh, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen them all the way through since then. Maybe I've seen bits and pieces of, like, 2, 3, 4, which are, like, my mm-hmm. favorite of the batches. But, like, and I don't know if I've actually ever – I've never seen Jason X, I'm pretty sure. Um, other than in like clip form and mm-hmm. uh, there's because there's the one documentary uh, Crystal Lake Memories yeah so I watched that which is like it's a four hour documentary covering every single movie in order production wise and so I've like I kind of vaguely remember it but watching them again from scratch has been interesting I guess um, yeah because they just kind of slowly get worse <laughs> but. Um, I think yes and no uh, but yeah like I have seen bits and pieces of a whole bunch of these, but it wasn't really a franchise me and my buddies watched when we were younger. So a lot of them escaped me, except uh, maybe some of the later ones. But, um, yeah, they're the ones that I'll be watching next Friday the 13th. I'll be finishing it off, and I don't think I've seen any of those except for Freddy versus Jason. Right. But, uh, July. yeah, so I, in July, yeah, I'll be watching the last couple, and then we'll, we'll see what we do then. But, uh yeah, no, so I did this too. Um, I think the last Big Friday the 13th, I watched one through four. Um, I was also on a thing last year where and I was it was ta- Halloween. It was Halloween, yeah. Oh, no, actually, yeah. last Friday the 13th, I only watched uh, part six. Right. Uh, the one before that, I watched one through four. Uh, I missed five because I'm a turkey. 
Uh, I thought I had seen it, but I hadn't. So Finally, I'm, you own up to it. I'm no, I'm serious. Yeah, I, I never, I never said anything different. But um, so yeah, this year I watched five, uh, seven, eight. And what did you watch? Six, seven, eight. Six, seven, eight. Nice. So I can talk about five. Yep. And we can both talk about seven and eight. That's right. And six. Uh, so, okay. Um, I'm with you. I think number four is like above and beyond the best. And I think two and three are both real super good. Um, one's okay. But, yeah. uh, so I'd never had seen five and I threw this bad boy on. Oh yeah. Uh, people talk about six all the time, but we'll get there, I guess. No. Okay. I threw on five, which is called, it's called a new beginning by this piece of shit director called Danny Steinman. Uh, so a new beginning is after part four where Corey Feldman does some stuff. He kills you, Jason. He kills. I wasn't going to spoil it, but all right. On that 40 year old movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he kills Jason and then part five starts and you see that kid has grown up now and he's in and out of like mental, mental, mental institutions uh, because he has severe PTSD because he was like eight years old and he had to kill a guy in his house. Yep. Which is some real shit, man. That's why the movie's so good. Uh, so, anyways, part five, you see this guy growing up, and he's getting sent to like this new age hippie rehabilitation camp where it's like there, there's all these like troubled kids, and they're just kind of living in a commune. But the commune happens to be at the old Camp Crystal Lake, I think. Right? Uh, I don't recall i i watched it last year i, I it's don't close remember. enough it's something it's, it's close en- yeah it's close enough to camp Cl- camp crystal lake so uh this tommy guy gets sent there and uh he's with this bad batch of kids like some of them are off having sex some of them are just really shitty there's one really fat guy eating chocolate bars oh, yeah. and he's super annoying yeah um, but you know what you know what they do in this movie they fucking kill him yeah, in like the they, first 10 minutes. Dismember him. <laughs> they dismember that fucking dude. Uh, so, um, what is, what was I saying? So anyways, you think, part, like, this movie has good parts, but I also think it's probably the worst Friday the 13th movie um, because of certain decisions they make. So, like, you think the whole movie that it's like, you're like, is it Tommy? Because he's, like, having all these kind of, like visions of Jason and you're you're just like oh shit they're making Tommy the new Jason yeah. and you're like that's kind of cool but then so I I'm just going to spoil this at the end there's this piece of shit twist where it's like <laughs> the, uh, it's the ambulance driver it's the ambulance driver that you saw at the start of the movie for fucking 1 second yeah. and I think you're supposed to believe that like he was the dad of the fat kid that was eating well, the chocolate that, that, that got is, killed that that is what it is in the movie <laughs> Like well, that, I, I I couldn't like, even yeah yeah that's exactly what it is because he's like you find out oh yeah the fat loser kid was his son and it drove him mad and yeah. he decided he he snapped and he just killed a bunch of campers kids so, yeah which I think is total horseshit I think this is the only one without Jason in it yes well uh, and the first well, one technically well he's he's in it yeah. he's just not so is yeah he, this though? is is he doesn't isn't he right at the last scene well it's debatable. Mm, we'll, we'll we'll approach that another day yeah. uh but yeah so this is the only one where like jason's not the killer and i think it was a really bad decision because i they were kind of like on a good track but uh, this movie 
it, it's not like good other like on in spite of that either there it's kind of follows all the same steps but this movie does have a couple of i think some of the best kills in the in the series um there's the one where it's the belt around the tree and the guy's oh, around the guy's the head yeah around yeah the guy's head and then he, he gets a belt around his head on a tree and he's like tightening it and uh, uh, i think that scene is just fucking awesome i thought that thing was wicked um i think this is also the one i'm kind of confused now uh, so it's the one where there you have the sexy people and they get the shears in the head, which is like that music video you showed me one time. It's basically oh, Friday Thirteenth yeah. Part Five. Yes. Um, that so that one was cool. And then I can't remember. Th- is this the one that has the sleeping bay kill or no, is that that's, that's uh, seven? Seven. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, that. Was, anyways, uh, the the belt on the tree is really good. Um, so it, it's got like good parts, but. On a whole, this is—I think this is the worst one so far that I've seen. Yeah, my my memories of five going back to my uh, review for it was that like it's a really lousy stock and sleigh. Like all the yeah. all the buildups of Jason doing stuff or like or the killer doing stuff, it's really crappy. Like it's just suddenly like people are doing something and then suddenly the other guy appears in the frame and then he dispatches them. There's no like the filmmaking is poor, the pacing and stuff like that. Like it just has a bad handle. It seemed very lazy. Um, that's like the worst part of the movie. Like it's not yeah. as bad as its reputation would be, but it's like I definitely no. say it's the worst uh, of like the first eight G- uh, Friday the Thirteenth. It's definitely the weakest, like by far. Well, and it's so yeah, and it's just like yeah, very like I don't know. The filmmaking's not great. The kids aren't like super interesting. There's like the stupid thing with like the mom and her like like redneck the son. hillbillies. Yeah, yeah, that that stuff all sucks. Like the yep. That yeah. stuff sucks. Well, that's what I mean too. Like, it's not, it's not the worst movie ever. I just think it's the worst Jason movie because it's just like, eh. It's like I don't really like any of this stuff that they're doing here. Um, like it has, like I said, it has some good parts. So it's like, all right, that's okay. But it's still kind of the weaker, especially because uh, having seen some of the other later ones now, like six, seven, and eight, I actually thought those were all pretty good. And so we also get the because this one also has got the. Ch- the chainsaw bit in the barn. Oh, right. Uh, fighting Jason yeah. with the chainsaw. Yeah, this one has that. Yeah, and Jason climbing ladders, which I'm like, I'm I don't know how much of a fan I am of that, but it's not Jason, right? It's it's ambulance it's, driver dressed as Jason with a like bald mask over top yeah. of his regular head with the hello like the and hockey mask, the mask on top. Yeah, it's and, and it's then bizarre. and when he falls, it blows apart so you can see underneath. Uh, uh-huh. This this movie. Yeah, so this one is probably the worst. Yeah. So there's that, but uh, I don't know. Part five, whatever. What about part six? What did you think about that bad boy? Well, uh, part six, uh, this one, like, yeah, it's it's got the reputation of kind of being like one of the <laughs> the, the best? best of the latter day Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Like, it's not. I don't think anyone thinks it's. I don't think a lot of people no. think it's the best. But so on on Friday, everyone was putting out their lists of best Friday Thirteenth. That's and what this you was do. Almost consistently. <laughs> The number one pick. That's bullshit to me. Um, so anyway, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, it's been again years since I'd watched six. Um, watching again, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this being good. It's like I, I always remember it because it's like this is either it's the very first Friday the Thirteenth I ever saw when I was like six years old, and my dad was yeah. watching this on like Super Channel uh, when it was like free on the weekend. Or it was seven because the beginning of seven is the end of six. 
Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. And like when I was a kid, I, I used to think that it was like uh, Tommy fighting Jason on like a, uh, like a sea of lava, which is like, it's all these like mismatches. Like, oh, it's like fires floating on the water. But in my mind, it was like lava and Jason's coming out of the water. And like, yeah, nice. when you're like, if you're like five or six years old watching this, like that thing would have been terrifying. Mm-hmm. So um, so this movie, it it pretty well ignores five. Like it just says that that didn't happen. Um, but which so, is the right call? Because it's like it's a new Tommy, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, he he's he's uh, he's just got out of another mental institute with a buddy, and mm-hmm. they're going to go there. I got to check the grave. I got to find the grave and put put him down for good. Uh, they they go back to the camp, which has been renamed, mm-hmm. uh, which of course they abandon <laughs> in the next movie. Yeah. Um, and they, they dig out the grave. They find a wormy, maggoty Jason with a hockey mask still on. Yeah. Or no, or no, he doesn't. Or he, I can't remember. Yeah, he he's got worms. Yeah, this I, is the first I don't, appearance but, of but, zombie but he, Jason. But, but he doesn't. I can't remember if he, he just doesn't have the hockey mask. They brought a hockey mask. Oh, in six? Yeah. Yeah, in seven, he just has it, it. But in six, they the people who dug him up may have given him yeah, a hockey no, mask. They, they I can't a, remember. I think they had a hockey mask with them for some reason, and then he picks it up. It's it's very oh, yeah. it's very convenient. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so they, they, they put a, like, they wanted to put in, like, an electrical rod through his chest. that they, Or it's a part of the fence that they break off. That's what it is. They stab it through his chest to really make sure he's dead. And then lightning mm-hmm. strikes, and he gets Frankensteined. Yep. And he's back, baby. And, and that's his gimmick now. Yeah, and now but he's just like so the the first half of the movie is Jason killing random people in the woods who just happen to yep. be coming along. Like people like this couple driving a bug, a Volkswagen, and they get killed. And then they run across a bunch of like these like business people who are like doing like a paintball tournament and they get killed. And mm-hmm. there's some ki- some kids like it's only like four camp counselors and just a bunch of like boys and girls there's like one boy for like 12 boys and then like four girls for 12 girls it's just ridiculous what are you talking about over here it's just like it's so weird like it's like where yeah. did the money go like what is up with this movie oh, right. it, it felt like there's like constraints about like what they could do which is strange because these movies were all money makers but i mean it's all about mm-hmm. the uh keeping your uh margins Budget low. tight so you can make more money so anyway mm-hmm. uh and then the movie just kicks into like oh jason's killing people uh my problem with this installment is this is when the MPAA's like hand is really mm. felt I feel mm-hmm. um, you could tell that like scenes are getting edited down like all the yeah. gore and awesome effects that you know that guys are making are just getting cut out completely so you just get like people getting about, about hit something's about to just about to happen to them and then it cuts away and that's good enough apparently and it's like no yeah. that's not what I'm here for um, I remember watching uh, the one slasher My Bloody Valentine and uh, oh, yeah. I was watching the, I guess it was like the restored version. And so what happens is because like the footage itself isn't in like the film, it's like kind of like degraded. You can always tell when it cuts away to like the okay. restored stuff. But yep. the restored stuff is so good. And it's like, I can't even imagine watching My Bloody Valentine without this restored footage. Because what's the point of watching a slasher without like the gore, like the the imaginative ways of like taking a body apart or doing something horrible to a thing like what's the point of these movies without that that's like the biggest part so mm-hmm. this movie 
immediately it's like oh all i see is the cuts i see the cutaways and you don't see any exciting deaths and you're just aware of like what you're not seeing so that really pisses me off and this movie Mm -hmm. just like it's got so much filler and it felt so perfunctory and it's just like oh jason's back and he's gonna kill some campers and that's that's the story (laughs) and then there's like the sheriff the sheriff's probably got uh uh, I don't know the, the bit where he's just shooting Jason with a shotgun, and he keeps getting oh, back yeah. up, and then he runs out, and he goes shit. <laughs> um, and I don't know this movie. I don't. Yeah, is... I, I do not think it's the best of the no, franchise. I, Nowhere not close. Even, not even. But I'm not kidding, man. All day, all over Reddit, all over Twitter, people were putting up their fucking rankings for Friday the Thirteenth. Trusted people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not. I would say about seventy to seventy-five or seventy to eighty percent of people had number six as the top pick. Madness for me. Which, it, it would be yeah. a toss-up between two and four because both those movies I think are like so well made. Like for yeah. uh, for slashers, those movies like mm-hmm. the the setups and like cinematography I think are like really good. The, the one thing I will say about six is it actually does have some really great shots of like the uh, forest that are like I was like looking. I'm like those are really nice. Like the the kind of misty forest and stuff like that. Just like where there's not even people, they're just like establishing shots. They're really nice. Mm-hmm. Like so I don't know. Go back and check those out, but the movie on the whole is just kind of like there. It's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's got more going on than five, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people love this one so much. Yeah. Um, but getting us both on the same page, we both watched seven and eight. So we'll yes, talk we about, did. We'll talk about that seven, which is the one that's uh, it picks up right where six left off with mm-hmm. uh, Jason at the uh, bottom of the lake. The lake, just floating around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And there's a psychic girl now. The new blood, Jared. The new blood. Jeez. And uh, she has she kind of killed her dad. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. Yes, she did. That... Uh, okay, so the new blood, Jared's not giving this movie credit. Not so the new blood starts. You see this little girl, and she goes out to the lake, and her abusive dad is like, "Come on back, baby girl." I'm not going to hit your mom no more. And then the little girl's like, no. And she telekinesis powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, everyone says this is the Jason versus Carrie uh, movie. So she telekinesis and this dad dies and falls on the lake. And uh, so he's dead. And now she's and then, up. Yeah, so now she has PTSD. And she grows up and then she comes back to where she killed her dad. And uh, she's with this um, psych- psychiatrist who's like trying to stress her out. And make her sad so that, like, he can unlock her power. Um, So she's, like, freaking out. And then at the same time, Jason is, like, back and, like, killing dudes. Um, I actually thought this one was pretty good. And I'm kind of having a hard time remembering why I thought so. But at the time, I thought it was pretty good. It does have that sleeping bait kill, which is, like... Wicked. But did you know that in the uh, not MPAA fucked up version that he swings that bag a whole bunch? A whole bunch. I did hear that. And I think that was part of the reason I liked it. Um, Or part of the reason I liked it was because I knew what it was supposed to be. But also that makes you sad because you're like, oh, I wish it was Mm -hmm. what it was supposed to be. Uh, So this movie has some of the classic bad stuff. Uh, The shitty teenagers being teenagers. Because you're like, I don't care about this petty ass bitch and her attempt to have sex with this guy. Oh, rich bitch. Yeah. And you're like, whatever. Um, 
But, uh, huh. Yeah, there's, know, there was something I liked about this one, but I can't really remember. Okay, I thought this so one was the stuff I'll throw up in my notes was that, yeah, there's like the one guy whose face has been kind of split open. That it's like yeah. they, they keep going back to him, which is quite good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I also kind of like this movie more than six, and I liked it more yeah. than eight. But like, when I think back to it, I'm like, what did I exactly like? And I guess the biggest thing is like the whole ending with Jason versus telekinesis girl. Um, yeah. It's very cool. like Home Alone ish. Yep. Uh, and then you also get the probably the most cartoonish, uh, maskless Jason that you get, yeah. where he's like very rubber suity. Was but- that supposed to be for 3D? That's no, what it feels like. No, because it wasn't in 3D. That was just only three. Uh, but yeah, no, like I made the note here of like uh, how like, man, this like start, it started really feeling like Evil Dead with the uh, the way this stuff was handled. Oh, but I was like, man, yeah. Sam Raimi would have made an awesome uh, Friday the 13th. Would have. Yeah. Would have. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, you're you're right. Like, I don't know. Like, I when I, I watched these all in the same night and I had this one over all those, I was like, yeah, that was the best out of them all. I can't remember now. Uh, he does have a weed eater at one point, which is pretty funny, uh, like a weed eater with a blade on it. He's yeah. That. Oh. Uh, oh, I can't. Hello. What What are you doing over there? Quit, quit playing with stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh. Anyways, yeah. Um. I thought the new blood was actually pretty good. Like, there were, there were things people were like, oh, I don't have pro, or I have problems with this and that and. I was looking at people's reviews and I was like, eh. I was like, that's not a good enough reason not to like this movie. And here we so, are, barely able even to talk about barely this. Barely to one. remember. Yeah, so I guess there's something to it, but I did like it more uh, the most out of um, five, seven, and eight. So that's something. And then we watched eight, which is like, okay, I'm just, I'll let you talk about this because you know more about these things than I do. But I just want to say that I have always heard. That Jason Takes Manhattan is one of the worst ones. Up there with Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X, which I haven't seen either of those two. Uh, so I had always heard this and I was like, oh, I, I guess it's really bad. And then I watched it and I was like, what is everyone talking about? Why does everyone hate this movie so much? I So, so you, you take it away, okay. buddy. Uh, the other thing was like, yeah, so uh, the other, pro- of course, one of the problems with uh, Friday's Part 7 is also yeah. it, it suffers from the MPAA. Just mm-hmm. take, this movie's like, it's even maybe even worse. And so maybe that's why it is. I've also is. I've also noticed people com- comment on it and they notice it more seven than six, but six is just riddled with it. And I think five. Now that I'm looking back, because I've been keeping track, I have uh, my new subgenre of uh, low gore, as I call it. And actually, yeah, five was also like lots of artful editing, but not very artful at all. Uh, other other, other films like that, Doctor Giggles, uh, and Halloween oh, yeah. Halloween Four is real bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think I was looking at a list of movies there, and there's also a Killer Party, which was another slasher. Basically, if you were a slasher, the MPA just went after you real hard after like a certain point because these fucking Friday the Thirteenth movies they keep making money. Mm-hmm. So, the problem with Friday the Thirteenth Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. Um, this movie, first of all, has one of the greatest movie posters ever. Um, Fucking right. It is a thing of art. Uh, I, I think a lot, a lot of people watch this movie because of that poster. And I vividly remember, uh, this being on the back of comics, uh, that I was buying as a kid and being like, Whoa, I want whatever that is. It looks so cool. And they, being a kid, being like super into Friday the 13th, and like I've never seen one before. There was the Friday mm-hmm. the 13th NES game that uh, I remember a friend renting from Video Cinema and mm-hmm. trying to play it. RJ, have you ever 
tried playing Friday the 13th I would like on to, emulation or anything? I would like to um, lead people to two different things. One would be the Angry Video Game Nerds uh, review of the Friday the 13th game. And the other would be uh, the boys at Mega64. Uh, they have a reenactment video of uh, that game, which is also very good. So uh, I haven't played it. I do own it, though. Nice. I do own it. So I own this, and uh, my buddy, friend of the show, Ryan, I think he owns Nightmare on Elm Street. Cool. And then you got, got we, your, you, you don't Between have the two soft, of us, uh, we both own them. Whatever it is, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the Atari twenty. The Atari one? <laughs> oh, the one with like the porn and the dicks and stuff. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't have uh, that one. But uh, between me and my buddy, we we have each of these. Which I think the Nightmare on Elm Street one isn't bad because uh, it's got the um, the super tap or like the four tap, whatever. You can play with four people. Right. I think that was supposed to be okay. Anyways, no, Anyways. I've never played it. Okay, it sucks. It sucks so bad. Yeah. It's like so frustrating. It doesn't make sense. Um, it's a bad time. But when you're like a kid and you're like, oh, I want to be, I want to be into Jason. this. I want to be into Jason. He's like a, a superhero essentially, yeah. but, but, but bad. And he's a big, gross, weird looking hockey player. That's neat. And this movie mm-hmm. looks like that. You're like, this is going to be sweet. And I think a lot of people just like are so always so underwhelmed with this movie and yeah. fairly so, but not to the degree where people are like, I've seen people say this is like one of the worst movies ever made. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let, mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's cool our jets here a bit. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this movie, it, God damn, how does it even start again? Uh, he's, he's, he's the, no, this is the one. He's at the, he's at the he's at the bottom of the lake in this one. Yeah, and the uh, oh, the luxury yacht goes over in a cord. He's he's in the bottom of the lake. Yeah, but uh, he was at the bottom of the lake in the last one because he was weighed down. This one, he's in the bottom of the lake because the dock crashes on him right. and he's trapped in the dock with his chains. Yeah, and then the yacht goes over him and elect electrical activity from the yacht goes up through his chains and resurrects him. So this is a good movie, allegedly. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, I, got... I actually thought this one was fine. I don't know. Nah, I don't know. I thought it was it's, fine. This movie has got, it's, it's dumb as shit. Uh, there's not enough New York. It's art house. It's, eh, nah, it's like, it's got some flourishes. We'll give it that. Yeah. It's got, you look at that poster. There's a little, little bit of that, uh, pink mm-hmm. and purple, red, blue, uh, fogginess kind of going on. Um, yeah. but yeah. So anyway, this movie starts, he kills some, keep on a people. boat. Yeah. He kills some people right off the bow of a boat. And then he goes back to like lurking and then mm-hmm. he manages to get onto like a, this gigantic cruise ship. That's apparently on crystal Lake, right, mm-hmm. right off the Rockies, you know, those Northeastern Rockies. Yeah. Um, because this movie was York. shot in like the Northwest, uh, you know, around Vancouver because mm-hmm. Vancouver apparently is a good approximation of. Manhattan of New York City because just like in Rumble in the Bronx which was also shot in Vancouver mm-hmm. uh cuz you can see you know the Rockies off and the shore it's, it's all it's all just wrong and then they do a couple of things where they actually shot in New York City in Times Square that sort of thing right uh but yeah the movie just like i don't know there's like a plot with like a girl she, her like her dad her stepdad is the principal uh or, like, it's, or foster it's not- 
it's not really clear yeah. who that fucking dude is. But he's an asshole. He's a, yeah, he's he's, a real he's a jerk trick. off. And there's a bunch of kids who are like, oh, there's something wrong with her. <laughs> Let's be mean to her. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a bunch of antics. There's a girl who's like, I'm going to have my, my friend's going to shoot a music video of me hanging out in the like engine room on the boat. And then she mm-hmm. gets killed off camera. And that's what it is. Jason sneaking around on a fucking cruise ship for like 45 minutes lurking. Uh-huh. There, there's like a scene literally where like a, two characters finish having a conversation like in the hallway and then they walk away and then Jason pokes his head around the corner <laughs> like he's waiting. Yeah, it's like, awesome. That's not how Jason rolls. Yeah, that's true. And it's like when he's pokes and it's like, "Oh, what a what a goofball movie." Um and then Jason's just like he's picking people off one by one on a bow and then people realize it. Uh, a whole bunch of people realize and have survived. They all gather up weapons to go fight Jason, uh like a bunch of nerds. Um that seems so dumb because it's like <laughs> the guy puts down like three axes, two crowbars and like two shotguns and everyone picks up the axes and the crowbars first and then they ask the boxing dude they're like what are you gonna pick and he's like nothing but this shotgun but this shotgun (laughs) and it's like why didn't everyone pick the gun like if you had first pick would you not pick the gun yeah yeah no they they didn't fight over that but they're like well you know he's the best boxer he's the best pure striker of us all so he must really know how to handle a weapon (laughs) well they made that clear very early on no one could beat him he's untouchable yeah so, well, he'll get his. He'll get his. Um, so there's a bunch of, like, people just getting killed on the boat. Uh, yeah. There's, like, the one shot of Wayne, the cameraman, who's kind of a skis lord. Um, and he gets, like, there's, I don't know, there's this scene where Jason, like, just tosses this guy onto, like, a relay that just blows up. And he's, like, dead. And he's electrocuted. But then there's, like, a shot of his, like, corpse burning. And mm-hmm. it's just beautiful shot. The camera just panning over his burning corpse. And I'm, like... That's really nice. That's like one of the like that's like a that's like out of nowhere. And then there's like these moments in this movie that are like these dream sequences that are really interesting. Yeah. With like with drowned Jason. Cause yeah, that's the thing. Is like so uh, the girl in this, she has memories of uh, of being tor- tormented by her foster dad, stepdad, Sink principal. Yeah, he gets tossed. She gets tossed out into the water. And when she was down there, uh, she saw Jason Jeez. Ghost Boy. Mute, mutant boy and he's like trying to drag her down and whatever it's like I, there's some real weird mythos origin stuff which is whatever that's fine but so th- that's actually one thing that i really like about this movie is i i really like all the kid jason drown stuff because i think that's a a really untapped uh idea here they only the only other real time it comes up is in freddy versus jason but i really liked the the little kid especially at the end when the sewer floods Mm. and then his little kid's there i was like yeah i'm into this yeah so i think one of the big complaints that people have with this one for some reason like they they do not like slimy jason and jason is quite slimy in this movie yeah he's well he gets that uh, fucking slime thrown on his head he's very waterlogged um yeah but he was waterlogged in the previous... He should have been waterlogged in the previous film, too. Whatever. So, uh, and then the people escape this cruise ship. That's just like, where's it going? How far New is York. it? Well, it's, it's, it's taking It's like forever. a field trip, grad trip to New York. But, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, it's just like going mm-hmm. on and on just for people to get killed. And then they go into this rowboat... Uh, and they're like on this rowboat for like a really long time in the middle of this fog. And mm-hmm. it's just like endless. And you're like... And then they, they all wake up and they're surprised suddenly that they're like in like Hudson Bay or whatever the fuck. Um, 
or the Hudson River. And they're like, well, I'm like, you could have seen those lights from like miles away. Go toward the lights. Like this is one of the most densely populated parts of the mm-hmm. world. Like mm-hmm. there, there, there's going to be stuff going on. But they're like, oh, I can't believe it. We survived. But then like Jason was like following them. Mm-hmm. underwater or like he was like snagged onto the boat like being drugged along on a, on some chains I, I don't know it's just like he just appears magic magic um and then it's like oh fuck finally we're in manhattan jason's gonna fuck some people up in the last half hour mm-hmm. and then like they're like in the middle of this dock area and they're like walking around in i don't know a bunch of warehouses and then there's like an attempted rape by some gang members who are just like, oh, yeah, yeah, look at this. Give us all your jewelry. Oh, yeah, let's take her along with us. If you follow us, we're going to kill her. And they just take her along. And then before they can actually get down to some raping, uh, Jason uh-huh. shows up and he dispatches the rapists. So but well, he, he's now heroic. We'll uh, have to ask uh, Big Josh if that's what it's really like. In New York, yeah. Yeah. The, the threat of rape. Doc, the big, doc rapists. The, the big R. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought that scene was weird. Um, yeah, it's the, it's a, it's it's just, the first it, in Friday the Thirteenth. It just goes to show you that New York is a scary place. Yeah, um, and then we get get scenes of the characters running around, running from Jason, and then we uh-huh. get the one of the greatest moments in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Oh, the, the so good the rooftop boxing from Julia Julian, I think his name is uh, Julius. Yeah. Julian, Ju- whatever. Julius. It's got a J. Orange Julius himself. Yep. He Dr. decides because he's been built up huge. They've been putting this oh, guy yeah. over. He beats the shit out of everybody. He's the greatest boxer who hasn't won a title yet. And he's only in high school. He's so cool. Jason shows up. He climbs after him, going up ladders. My, 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 I always go, why is Jason climbing up ladders? And then there's like this like mm-hmm. big confrontation. And it's all it's done silently without music. Like it's yeah. just like it's just the sound of <gasps> thump, thump, thump. He's just just putting the fucking hands into Jason body punches fucking the stupidest thing though is these fucking headshots he's punching Jason in the the, hel- the helmet like in the fucking yeah. face mask it's like well that thing like that would break your fucking hand punch he's a high school student punch the side punch the ears go, go for like the like around the mask don't be like what are you doing kid you're gonna fucking break your hand on the first shot and his hands like are not near as messed up as they should have been bare knuckling yeah. punching Jason's like you got to hitting him with those body punches and you get the same effect but I guess it's cool cinematically to punch Jason in the hockey mask and then yeah. RJ, we all know what happens next. Uh, he's he's gassed out. He's he's expanded all his energies. And he tells Jason uh-huh. that it's his takes to take his best shot. And Jason just fucking haymakers him and fucking punches his head off. And uh, his head goes bouncing off the roof into a garbage can. Um, it is amazing. I didn't even know that was in this. I had not heard of this from what? Reputation, but after I saw it, I, I messaged you. And I said, "Oh my god!" I no. So when I watched this movie back in the day, I thought this movie was like, "Oh, what a disappointment!" This would have been so cool of a movie if Jason just like killing people in New York. That'd be rad. Yeah. But instead, it's like, oh, he's like barely there, and they don't really take full advantage of the fact that he's in an urban environment because he just walks yeah. by people and doesn't kill them. What the hell? Uh, he has like goal. He has like goals of people he's killing. It's like this is yeah. ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the the next though the, the absurdity that follows next though is so the the surviving people whatever it's down to three four people they mm-hmm. they they run to a car they get into the car and they see Julian's head 
just like sitting in the car. And then Jason appears and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So Jason went back down the steps. He got the head out of the garbage can. He went and fished that out. And then he found uh-huh. an unlocked car and then it left it in there. In it. it sat around the corner going, oh, this is going to be a good one. And then they go, oh, there's a head in the car. And then Jason. Nice. And uh, there's like a fucking car chase. And they're like, oh, let's drive right into Jason. And then they swerve. The car crashes. A woman burns alive. She doesn't make any attempts to escape. She's just dead now. Uh, It's all about killing the principal off in this, like, grotesque oil drum full of, like, ooze and rats and slime. He just gets drowned. Whatever. Um, And then it goes to the sewers because in New York, you have to spend time in the sewers. It's, It's what you had to do. Um, like a mm-hmm. Ninja Turtle, uh, the the Punisher when he was in <laughs> Australia. Um, is also, there sewers in Australia? Uh, well, there isn't the Punisher, and okay. yeah, that movie. Uh, sewers are we're really in in this period of time, and then like, yeah, there's like we get warned by a sewer employee of New York. Oh yeah, we dump toxic waste through the sewers at midnight. We got to get out of here. Better watch out. Oh, I'm dead now from Jason. And then Jason Uh chases, chases. There's a thing about ladders again. And then (laughs) Jason gets toxic wasted. He sure fucking does. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I think that is pretty cool. Yeah, I know it's silly that Jason isn't in Manhattan that long, but no. he kicks that those punk kids' boombox, and I thought that was pretty nice. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't go far enough, though. Yeah, I mean... There was one thing I did like about it. Like, you're right. He should be killing everyone. But I did think it was kind of funny how he's walking through the subway car. And, like, oh. no one really – no one cares that he's, like, this stinky zombie <sighs> hockey-wearing guy because it's New York. Ah, New York. What do you What do you expect? Hey. Eh? Oh, pizza pie. Oh. Stereotype. <laughs> hey, oh. Yeah. So uh, I, I get why people aren't fans, but it's still – it's not that bad. It's entertaining. It's, it's entertaining enough, but not good. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's on the same. I, I put it at the same level as six, and uh, people think yep. six is a masterpiece. So I don't know what to tell you. Somehow, for some reason. Uh, well, in a few months, we'll uh, wrap it up. We'll, we'll, we'll watch. Uh, we'll wrap it up. Jason right. goes to hell, and Jason X with David Cronenberg mm-hmm. and Freddy vs. Jason, and fuck, there's even that remake. <laughs> Which I've never seen. Oh, really? No. Um, I don't think it's good, but uh, I think that's where you get Ninja Jason, where he is just okay. like seamlessly yeah. through every aspect of that house, just like in complete silence. Right. And there's like you see him on the ground, and then in the next scene, he's like on the roof, and you're like, wait a minute, how did he get over there? He's just that good. He's just that good, baby. Yeah. So that's the Friday run. Um. Yeah. yeah. So what uh, did you watch anything else? Yeah, so after we recorded last week, I watched that HBO Andre the Giant documentary. Oh yeah. Um, How was that? It's mm, I guess it depends on what you think a documentary should do. Uh should a documentary try to document the truth? Should it like tell things how they happened? Should it like build on mythology and not question things just because it has a narrative it wants to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Um this documentary is uh, Bill, so Bill Simons, he's the guy who created the 30 for 30 series for ESPN. 
Um, yeah. And I guess he is a big wrestling fan. And when I say wrestling, he is a fan of the WWF Vince McMahon style of wrestling. That's what he grew up with. And mm-hmm. uh, he, like, you know, oh, Andre the Giant, he's this great big character, like this persona iconic figure. And I'm going to tell the definitive story because it hasn't been told yet. Uh, outside of like a in-house documentary from like I think A and E might have worked on it called like Larger Than Life, like from '91 or something like that that I've seen. It's on YouTube, uh, so it's like let's. I mean, yeah, of course, like it hasn't been told. Let's do it. Um, what this decides to do, though, maybe after they did all this research and figured out what they had, like half of it is actually about Andre the Giant, the man, mm. and his like stuff. The other half just turns into. Uh, like what WrestleMania three was all about and Hulk Hogan and how Vince McMahon, this, the wrestling promoter genius changed the industry. And it's just every kind of like bullshit line that that company has been making forever and ever. And Bill Simons is on board, of course, to like make a documentary about anything that's WWF related. You have to be on good terms with them because they have all the footage. They buy everything. And they're, I mean, for a lot of people that are going to be watching this, that's where they probably heard about Andre the Giant. It was that or Princess Bride, which they talk about. So you get some Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner and Carrie mm-hmm. Ewan stuff. Yeah, you get those. You get that. Um, I don't know. It's like a very, I think the best you could say about it is it's well produced in the sense that like it just has constant music that tells you exactly what to feel as you're watching footage. Um, mm-hmm. It has a bunch of like cool clips of wrestling which like it shows like the ridiculous old days of just giant burly men in ridiculous costumes in the ring and it's like not like it's changed very much now like it's pretty well the same idea but physiques are like more people are more ripped and ridiculous than ever they're maybe leaner maybe not as steroidy because you know steroids are bad for you but you know they just found different substances to put into their body what Uh, kind of what else are you putting in your body some of that hgh uh, yeah. LeBron James style, eh? Yeah. So I I don't know. I can't recommend this being like I know enough about this stuff. I listen to podcasts that like have covered this era and these these stories and with no production, they do way more research, it seems to me. Um uh, mm-hmm. and like I've learned way way more from like listening to like actual historians, um, from fans who like are get into this stuff. And then you're watching this like super well produced, like in house pretty much documentary. And it's like very superficial. Um, I think a mainstream audience probably would like this a lot, maybe. Like mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, that's good enough for me. But I don't know. I know this stuff better than most. And so for me, this was very like, it's not what it could have been. And maybe there's like not a great Andre the Giant documentary to be made. Maybe there's just not enough there. He's been dead for like 25 years. Um, like we're, we're, there's not a lot of like great interviews like the stuff you listened with him like mm-hmm. he was lying himself they're all carnival workers they they all lie <laughs> like they're all about just telling f- stories they're it's all fake uh Hulk Hogan is so charismatic and people just go man he must be mm-hmm. telling the truth cuz he's Hulk Hogan it's like he's the biggest liar of them all um i've seen people like now like online arguing with like Dave Meltzer who's like the eminent like wrestling journalist he's been covering this stuff for since the early 80s he basically created the idea of a wrestling journalist. Um, people are arguing with him about what Andre's real height is because he wasn't seven foot mm-hmm. four. But people are, oh, are you sure about that? Are you sure? <laughs> like, it's like a fucking match. Like, like it doesn't matter if he was only six eleven. He was still a giant man who was six eleven. He's not just seven foot four. That's just promotions. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. And like they said, he was from the French Alps. He wasn't. <laughs> uh, just things yeah. like that. But like, people are like, I don't know. 
it, it brings out kooks and people who want to believe in myths, I guess, and whatever. Mm. And, and there's like talk about, oh, I got it's all about the legend and about myth making and crap like that. But it's like, yeah, then what's the point of a this? This is just propagating bullshit, and it doesn't, mm-hmm. it didn't feel genuine. I don't know. It. I'm, just, I'm trying to think of like other wrestling documentaries of late. There's like that Jake the Snake one, which uh, I know you were not uh-huh. a fan of because it was it, it was just like uh, it was an infomercial for Diamond Dallas Page's fucking yoga program. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It had uh, nothing to do with Jake the Snake. It did though, because he was like the he was, he was the, he was the subject of the process, I guess. A bit. It it did. I mean, there's like I mean, yeah. But it, it documented that period of his life rather than being a story about Jake the Snake's career, because there already is that documentary yeah. called uh, "Pick Your Poison," which WWE did at one point. Uh, that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and then there's uh, God. There's the Ric Flair Thirty for Thirty documentary that is better than this, but it's mm-hmm. not like I, I didn't love it or anything like that either. Um, but it's like. Ric Flair's alive, and he's able to talk about his career and frame it in a way that he's going to do it, rather than like this like fucking corpus billionaire who who's like always on trying to convince you that he's like his real feelings. <laughs> and it's like your job's about lying. Why am I going to start believing you now? I don't know. Because he's the nature boy. No, I'm talking about Vince there, Vin, oh. Vinnie Mac. Rick, 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 Rick is just Rick. He he cries. You know, you know. I was listening to that satellite radio the other day, and there was a hot new rapper. I can't remember his name, but the song was called Rick Flair Drip." Yes, and uh, but he doesn't do a lot of big woos. Mm-hmm. It's more like woo, whoa, in the background. So I was there like, hey, where's that woo? So yeah, Andre the Giant documentary. Uh, yeah. Uh, so in line with our, uh, vegetable horror films that we watched, uh, I dug out some other, uh, horrors based on plants. Nice. Uh, One I watched was, uh, the crawlers, AKA contamination point seven. This movie has like eight or nine, I think it's like a troll three as well. So mm-hmm. this is an Italian production, uh, from, uh, co-directed by one Joe Diamato. Um, <gasps> Joe who? Diamato. He okay. direct, he directs crap. Uh, yeah. and this movie is no exception. Uh, this movie is about uh, a company that's dumping toxic mm-hmm. waste out in the forest and this toxic waste has mutated, the vegetation. So now we have killer plants and the, nice. these killer plants, evil dead style are just going around and killing people. And it's the whole story. It's now it's only an hour and a half long somehow. Um, and it's just about a bunch of people having these things happen to them. And that's it. There's like one scene that's like, Ooh, that's gory. And other, after that, it's just people being drug away and like rolling around with giant rubber looking vegetations. And, Mm. Do then, you wish you had watched The Faculty instead? Probably. I probably. I, I actually own this. It's it was on a four pack, and when I realized this movie was, was about, I went, "Oh fuck, I gotta watch that." And mm-hmm. now I have. And uh, yeah, no one likes this movie. <laughs> so cool, right? <laughs> uh, then I all then I was like, "Oh man, finally I can watch." I have an excuse to watch Matongo which is a 1963 Japanese film directed by uh, Ishiro Honda, the man behind Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of his uh, 
uh, Toho Numbers. That's like not a kaiju movie. Uh, it is a movie about mushroom monsters, mushroom people. Kind of mushrooms. Mm, bad mushrooms. The times that they, when you eat them, you too will turn into a mushroom. That's like spoilers, mm. I guess, because this movie is such a slog. Um, I see a lot of people like this movie, and I don't get it. Um, so this movie is like, again, it's like only like 99 minutes long. And yeah. uh, I've always been interested in it because you see screen grabs for this movie, stills of it, and you're like, oh, cool, mushroom monsters. Uh, the story is, is a bunch of like people are out on a cruise boat in the middle of the Pacific going around, and then their boat breaks down because of a storm. Age old story, and they come across. Then they're like kind of shipwrecked. Oh no, they're not quite shipwrecked, but like oh, they're like there's an island. Cool, perfect. We'll go there and we'll find food. They go there. It's completely abandoned and empty. But they do find a ship that was mm-hmm. abandoned at some undisclosed point in time, not that long ago. Um, but they notice that everywhere there's like mushrooms, and they're looking for food, and there's like no food, just mushrooms. Um, and they go into this boat. And they find a little bit of, like, canned food still, but not very much. Mm-hmm. Not enough for, like, all, like, whatever, seven or eight people. Yeah. Uh, and the whole thing is just this kind of build of, like, them, like, not getting along, people arguing, trying to figure out what they're going to do, talking about, like, oh, man, what happened to the other people? Oh, mm-hmm. it's just it's really strange. And it's like, oh, it must have had something to do with these mushrooms. We can't eat these mushrooms, you guys, because <laughs> there's probably something poisonous about them. Uh, but, like, where is everybody? We don't understand. But then people start getting desperate, and they start turning on one another. And this all sounds like, this sounds like a pretty cool idea for a movie, but there's something about, like, this bland sort of, like, 60s Japanese filmmaking in the like kind of the way that like Godzilla movies with when it's just the people talking, it's real like nothing special. And mm-hmm. usually it builds up to like wacky Japanese uh Godzilla battles. This movie's got like kind of set designs with like all these crazy sets of mushrooms of all shapes and sizes. And then finally people start eating the mushrooms and preparing the mushrooms and then they start like vanishing and running away but then you start hearing about them and like they're appearing but they suddenly have like mushroom gross on their faces um and it just it just keeps getting worse and worse uh and then there's like full-on mushroom oids and what do they look like uh there's different states of mushroom people there's like people who are like like they look like they actually look like full-on mushroom men like Mm. like we imagine like a real life toadstool would look like i guess a real life toadstool, like Toad yeah. from uh, yeah. from Mario. From Mario, yeah, okay. yeah. But it's like real. Mm-hmm. And then there's like kind of like people who are just like all like misshapen, like body horror mushroom men. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, hey, can I tell you something? Yeah, I don't like mushrooms. I think they're gross. They grow out of poop, and they got gills, and they're disgusting. I hate them. God, mushrooms are what? delicious. Mushrooms are delicious. I, I don't mind the taste sometimes. I just think mushrooms are gross. You can't tell me mushrooms aren't gross. Mushrooms are gr- delicious. Yeah, mushroom. No, I, the taste is fine. I'm saying mushrooms themselves, as a person, are gross. Yeah, like your 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 problem is the idea of mushrooms, a fungus. Yeah, yeah. I just well, it's not even the fungus thing. It's just like the gills that they breathe with. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> It's gross, right? Oh, that's so good. I had mushrooms the other night. Fried them up. Some butter. Oh, man. It doesn't surprise me at all. You probably ate that shit on one of those tofu burrito wraps you eat. 
I had one of those for dinner tonight. Unbelievable. <laughs> those are your girlfriends. Those are Chanel's. Those are hers. You're eating her food, well, bro. I've been buying some for myself now. Oh, my God. Yeah, cooked up a delicious steak, and after fr- cooking that up, put the mushrooms in, the after leavings, the, the blood and the butter in there, uh. added a little bit more butter. Oh, flavor town, man. Now you're fucking infringing on some copyrights by Guy Fieri. <laughs> this Fie- podcast is never Fie- going to air. Fieri. It's Fieri. Fieri. If you ever watch one of his shows, that's how he says it. Lots of people say Fieri, but when you listen to him, he says Fieri. Hmm. It's an Italian thing. You wouldn't know about it. Outstanding. <laughs> so, Matongo. Uh, I don't know. I thought this was boring. Um, oh, that's too bad. It's got. It, it should be way better. Um, watch yeah. like, uh, God, what's the one? Uh, fuck, it's, it's another Japanese movie, Malformed Men or something like that. That that movie is like very similar, but I think way more interesting than this. Anyway, whatever. Matongo. Vegetation, Matongo. horror. Uh, I could talk about one more because okay. I watched another documentary, the last thing I watched, and that was the documentary Batman and Bill. Uh, RJ, are you familiar at all with this film? Yeah, I know Bill Finger. I know the man who's really responsible for creating the Batman. Well, uh, I haven't seen the documentary. Co co creating, we'll say. Mm, mm-hmm. So, uh, I was looking up Batman stuff recently uh, for no particular reason at all, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, hey, I didn't. I've not heard of this documentary before, and it's all about that Bill Finger, eh?" And I'm like, I remember uh, back in the day, there was all these stories about Bill Finger, and I remember these photos from like. I don't know, eight years ago at conventions, people with these like big yellow fingers about getting credit to Bill Finger. And I vaguely remember uh, getting him screen credit on movies because he's he's really part of the process of creating Batman. And I was like, "Mm, okay, whatever. Everyone's dead, right? So Mm -hmm. I watched this. It was on, uh, this is like a Hulu documentary from last year. Uh, And it just tells the story of this author. What's his name? Mark Nobleman. Um, Mm -hmm. So this guy. He is a children's books writer, and he's also a comics fan. And I guess uh, he wrote a children's book about Simon, not Simon Schuster, uh, Joel, Joel Siegel, what, Jerry Siegel and uh, Joel Schuster, the co-creators of Superman. He wrote a book about how they got fucked over by DC, essentially. Um, yes. Sold sold Superman for a mere 130 bucks, and mm-hmm. they've been the family's been fighting them for some rights to that invaluable property for decades years and years and years it goes on Uh um well after he did that he then picked his next project uh which was doing the story about bill finger which like i guess like he kind of positions it as like oh this is like a really unknown story but it's pretty well known to like comic book people but like most your average person has no idea what the fuck that's about um but it's more basically a tale about how uh, back when Batman was created, uh, Bob Kane, the artist of the Batman comics for a very long time, or at least his name was on everything, kind of like how Stan Lee's name was on everything forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, with Bill Finger's help, uh, created Batman, but Bob Kane's contract basically made him the creator of him, and Bill Finger was kind of like an employee of. Bob Kane's, and so I'm assuming uh, 
Bob Kane paid Bill Finger for his services, and Bob Kane took all the credit. And for many, 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 many years, Bob Kane was just viewed as the creator of Batman. Um, and DC just went with that, even though everybody who seemed to like work at DC kind of knew Bill Finger existed. They knew of him. They knew he did a lot, ton of stuff, and he just wasn't. He did, he was like a humble guy who didn't really care too too much about it. He was getting paid at the end of the day, whatever. But there came a point where there was like a fan letter in the sixties that came out with like an interview with Bill Finger and how Bill Finger talked about, yeah, you know, I created Batman, blah, blah, blah. But this went against everything Bob Kane had been telling people. And he came out swinging, talking about how he created Batman. This is all fabrication and a lie. Um, this is like, you know, after the Batman television show had been on and was a huge success for that year or two. Um, and so, I don't know, the documentary just turns into uh, this guy's process of writing this book and then winding up tracking down descendants of Bill Finger because he thinks that, well, you know what, maybe I should write this wrong. Maybe it is bullshit that more people don't know this guy and that Bob mm-hmm. Kane's the only name that's on there. Bob Kane's dead. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have no, there's no talk about, like, his estate, like, who like who are Bob Kane's children. They don't talk about that at all. And I was trying to look online. I didn't go super deep because I'm curious what they think about it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It just kind of changes the narrative that Bob Kane was a singular genius. And it's like, no, someone else worked on it too. No one, you're not gonna yeah. lose. You're not gonna lose any money because some other dead guy worked on the book. It would just be like acknowledgement, and um, and it turns out, yeah, the whole it's just like it's a detective story essentially of this mm-hmm. guy, this guy writing a book, writing a book and f- tracking down leads. Um, it's it's I liked it. There's some goofy stuff in there. Um, that like he's like you know talking about like yeah I kind of feel like Batman I'm a detective oh, of course right like that's yeah. these people do this stuff they're dorks um, there's a lot of animated sequences telling like showing parts of the story that you can't show because they're they long happen because you can't just have talking heads talking you have to have it animated but at least it kind of fits because it's Batman um, and I don't know it just tells the story. I liked it. I learned, uh, it, it told the whole narrative of Bill Finger well in a way that I hadn't gone out of my way to read. Um, and I mean, it hilariously pays off with like everybody going to see Batman versus Superman in like theater on opening night nice. to see Bill Finger's name grace the screen as co credited as creating Batman for the very first time. And then it's like, and then you have to watch the rest of the movie, which they don't touch upon at all. Um, what do you mean that awesome movie? Yeah, well, yeah. For, that four star affair. I, I have a feeling that the people who are like going there, like these like Batman historians and stuff like that, going yeah. to Batman versus Superman, might not have had a good time. They they might have had some yeah. qualms, but they don't they don't get into that at all. Sure. But uh, yeah, no, I thought this was quite good. Uh, yeah, like it's not like a oh count it four star banger or anything like that. But I think for like what for what a documentary is supposed to do it kind of like told the story i guess like as far as i could tell as well-rounded as possible but now you know me reflecting on the under the giant stuff me just knowing a bit more about that topic than others i'm like yeah there's a lot of problems with this and maybe i don't know enough Mm -hmm. about this story but i feel like this is like pretty well like there's nothing to be gained by the people making it other than telling the story but you never know but uh yeah no i thought this was good i liked it batman batman's cool batman jesus Okay. Yeah, you're a nerd. Yep. Shut up. You fucking where's your where's where's your fucking Bane statue, nerd? Do you not know that I have a huge Batman uh tattoo? <laughs> yeah. Amongst yeah. 
You, amongst other things. Amongst other things. Fuck, uh-huh. fuck you. You're a nerd, though. You, Look at you. you. Look at you. You total Melvin. Um, yeah, I know. That's cool. Uh, that guy, I remember when that book came out because I was going to buy it. It's yep. called like Bill and Me or, or Batman. B- B- and Bill the Boy Wonder. Bill the Boy Wonder, yeah. I was going to get it for a long time, and then I was I, like, I got a copy no, com- I'm okay. I got a copy coming. Ah, nice. Uh, I remember, though, when uh, they found, like, the great-granddaughter of Bill Finger or whatever, whoever it ends up being, like, uh, it was, like, a big deal. Yeah. I well, remember well, that. that. That was, the that was like, the big, bu- like, the thing that busted the, the whole thing reveal. wide open. Yeah. Well, it happens in it, but it's because, like, the whole thing is, like, Bill Finger had a son, but his son was gay. So I guess he didn't have kids because he was a gay man who died of AIDS in 92. And it's like, oh, well. You know, that doesn't mean he didn't have a child, possibly, because yeah. that was a different era. Um, and sure enough, that was the thing that blew it all wide open. And then that actually, because you actually have to have an heir to like re- renegotiate these things. You can't just be like mm-hmm. a guy because they'll just go, that's nice. And uh, I don't know, there's some really, there's like some Todd McFarlane interviews, uh, R- Roy Thomas and stuff like that. All these guys, like I enjoy this stuff. Um, so yeah, I was happy to watch this. Nerd. Yeah. Anyways, that's enough for creeping. Uh, yep. you, got, you got any news, RJ? Uh, we went on a murdering rampage and killed like a hundred people this week. Oh, a lot, a lot of people died. A lot of people died. A lot of people died. Like my Milos Foreman. Milos. He died. Uh, the guy from It, Harry Anderson, he died. <laughs> and then uh, you killed someone too this week. Oh fuck! Uh, yes, early. Well, I didn't kill him. It was just a total coincidence that he died, and then like, then I was watching the third Body Snatcher movie, and it's like I see the credits, Arlie Emery. I'm like, oh my god, no! We got another one. And then uh, Bruno Sammartino died. I don't know who that guy is, but uh, big big wrestling star. Like he was yeah. Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan. Oh, I see. Well, yeah, we killed a bunch of people. Steven Spielberg's gonna make a DC Comics movie. The world's falling apart. Yeah, it's just it's just a mess out there. Well, uh, Criterion made their July 2018 uh, release oh. announcements. Hey, there's a movie on there that I actually really like. Okay, well, uh, you yeah. tell me which one it is. Uh, first up, there's a big box set coming out. Uh, Marlene Dietrichs and Joseph von Strandberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got that Morocco. It's got that Dishonored. That Shanghai mm-hmm. Express. Blonde Venus, the Scarlet Empress, <gasps> and the Devil is a Woman, all coming out on a crystal clear Blu-ray. So, and there's one that wasn't in the initial announcement, but I feel like it was announced after. Oh, it's also in that set. Is Bull Durham not announced? I'm not there yet. Oh, well, what the hell are we talking about? Come on. Okay, keep going. Uh, saving Edit that out. Oh, saving it up. No, no, you blew it. Uh, yeah. Bull Durham, directed by Ron Shelton, is coming uh-huh. from the Criterion because they're going mainstream, baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then we got uh, King Who's Martial Arter Dragon Inn, mm-hmm. um, which I still have to watch uh, a touch of Zen from him uh, that Criterion put out. Uh, a Matter of Life and Death from Powell and Pressburger. That is getting a Blu-ray re-release, so that's nice. Uh, and Sex, Lies, and Videotape, directed by old Steven Soderbergh, his breakout movie. Uh, the, is that the, any good? I remember. See, this is the, this is the thing where it's like one of those movies you watch early on, and you don't know how it's going to age. Um, so this yeah. is like this was the movie that made his career. He made this uh, one Sundance, and he became a star. And he's a career making movies on his iPod. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So anyway, so that's neat. Some releases. Uh, I just watched Brawl Durham like a year or two ago, and eh, it's fine. It's a sports movie. I don't know. You file that one, Jared, under Sundays at my grandparents. I bet. Bull Durham, baby. Yeah. I thought that movie would be too sexy. Uh, yeah, but it was baseball, and uh, my grand- it was one of my grandpa's movies. Okay. He liked it. You like the sexy, you know I mean? you like the sexiness. Uh, that and the baseball, I think. No. But uh, yeah, he, he wasn't a natural man. Uh, yeah, we watched that too. Ah, uh, in the field From of dreams. Game. Yeah, all of them, baby. All them baseball movies. Uh, yep. Hey, that's that's another Sam Raimi movie too. For mm-hmm. the love of the game, I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, well, you're a bad dude. Well, cool. Bad ombre. News going long. There you go. Hey, we got a bunch of other movies to talk about. Um, Get at it. We were talking about that invasion of body snatchers and mm-hmm. all iterations, except for one. Oh. After the break, it's going to be great. And the same incredible terror that's menacing me will strike at you! No, no, you've got to get out of here, please! They come from another world, spawned in the light years of space, unleashed to take over the bodies and souls of the people of our planet bringing a new dimension in terror to the giant super-scope screen. Whatever intelligence or instinct it is that can govern the forming of human flesh and blood out of thin air is, well, it's fantastically powerful, beyond any comprehension. A cursed, dreadful, malevolent thing was happening to those he loved. This isn't just an ordinary body, is it? I never saw one like it. It looks... Unused. The sensational star discovery of the view from Poppy's head. 
And now an undreamed of horror makes her life and love a vortex of fear. Jack! Miles, where did they come from? I don't know. Suddenly, while you're asleep, they'll absorb your minds, your memories. I don't want any part of it. You're forgetting something, Miles. What's that? You have no choice. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. As the unimaginable becomes real, the impossible becomes true. Stop and listen! Stop and listen to me! Listen! Listen! Listen to me! They're not human! Can't you see? Everyone! They're here already! You're next! And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956, directed by Don Siegel, and part of the Criterion Laserdisc collection from way back in the day. Um, And yeah, so here's the tagline for the film. There is nothing to hold on to except each other. And (laughs) the (laughs) brief synopsis here of the film from Letterboxd. A small town doctor learns that the population of his community is being replaced by emotionalist alien duplicates. That's it. Yeah, pretty that, well. That, that, that is a statement of the film. That's what's mm-hmm. happening. So, uh, first of all, uh, this is a movie that I've seen a couple times. I've got this old uh, artisan DVD. And uh, much to my chagrin, when I popped it in to watch this week, found out it was letterboxed. My uh, least favorite format of all, because you're watching this grainy piece of crap standard definition picture. um, And there's just no point at all. Um, So anyway, uh, Mm -hmm. I had to find another copy to watch that really uh, held up a little better. Did you get it on Laserdisc? Yes, I went and uh, went to my local pawn shop, was going through their Laserdisc collection of old Criterions, and uh, there it was. So you got this copy of Invasion on the Body Snatchers on Laserdisc, eh? Yep. What does Letterboxd mean? (laughs) The thing that I have to explain to you every uh, every couple of months. You're always explaining what non-anamorphic means, which I still don't understand. Is it the same thing? Same difference, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't take up your screen very nicely. It's what mm. they used to do. And nowhere on the package does it actually say uh, that it's non-anamorphic or anything like that or letterboxed. It's crap. So that was annoying. And I was like, oh, how much does a Blu-ray of this cost? And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I think uh, all the films has it out, and it's like $25, $30. And I'm like, oh, when am I going to watch this movie again anytime soon? But I owned all the rest of these movies except mm-hmm. for uh, the 2007 iteration. Anyway. So my memories of this movie, uh, I remember reading about this in the Danny Perry book. It's one of those classic movies that just kind of like permeates the culture. Uh, Everyone knows Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's shorthand. Uh, People talk about pod people. People talk about Mm -hmm. body snatching and stuff like that. People being replaced. Um, It's sort of like a whole little like subgenre of uh, movies too. Like I always think of like the Stepford Cuckoos, which is like the – or Stepford Wives. It's like – I don't know. This idea of like pod people or like duplicates. There's like Village of the Damned is like not that far off concept wise. Communism. Um, yeah. And of course, this reminds me of uh, what's his name? John Wyndham, 
who wrote mm-hmm. the Mid- Midwich Cuckoos, which is Village of the Damned, also wrote uh, Day of the Trifids, which is also about monster plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have here uh, Jack Finney's book, which is just actually called The Body Snatchers, uh, which was written, I guess, in 1955, so just like a year prior to the movie coming out. But I've seen a couple other dates thrown around, and I, I just don't know who to believe anymore. Fake news, baby. Fake news. Um, so, yeah, I'd seen this movie before. I remember liking it uh, like as a solid Mostly. little like 50s science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I had not, like, I had only ever seen bits and pieces of the 70s one. And I'd seen Body Snatchers, the 93 version, um, on Space, the one like sci fi channel way back when they would just play movies like it or um, uh, The Return of the Living Dead Part 3. I, I just mm-hmm. some, for some reason this like window of movies I just remember seeing on TV and then so finally circling all the way back to watching this finally uh, several years ago because it's just like, kind of like regarded as this like sci-fi 50s classic um, mm-hmm. now is it a 50s 60s classic for science fiction stuff sure um, it's sometimes hard like I find that the these science fiction movies have a certain quality to them uh, that mm-hmm. and they kind of it's really hard for these movies to escape them. Where they're not like as well like I think about like the movie Seconds that you still have to watch the Jane, John Frankenheimer movie, mm-hmm. which is like it's kind of like a Twilight Zone sort of story. It's kind of like what this could be described as, yeah. um, and it does and it's used like as a prerogative, like it's like a <clears throat> negative thing that it's like a Twilight Zone episode, which is silly to me, but. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a certain film craft or like writing quality and like type of characterization that you kind of expect that like should hopefully elevate it. Like you watch something like the, uh, the day or stood still. And that movie mm-hmm. is just like amazing. It's like such a well-made movie. It's so much like, it feels like a real movie. You're not having to make excuses for like kind of goofiness. Um, and he, with this movie, it's like, it's like a good 50 sci-fi movie and that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what I'll what my notes actually are about with this movie. I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with this. <laughs> like, okay. what, what did what did you think? We'll, we'll we'll talk about it more. But like, I don't know. I think this movie's fine. Like, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, as we'll go further into it, that uh, I think the '70s film uh, is like better in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Um. So. As people know, uh, mostly in the preamble, if you're listening to the full podcast, uh, I love aliens and I talk about it a lot. Uh, this is almost would have been perfect placement in the schedule for us because the last couple months I just watched like 20, 30, 50 sci-fi movies. Uh, I think those I was watching those at the same time that we watched uh, The Blob and Fiend Without a Face. So whichever of the Criterion episodes those were, I think I talk about it more there. But uh, I didn't watch this one because I knew it was coming up, and uh, but I was primed for it. And I think it's like what there are some 50 sci-fi that I think go above and beyond, like Day the Earth Stood Still and uh, The War of the Worlds, which was my favorite of all that stuff that we watched. Those are like real, real movies, man. Like, like you said, you don't have to like explain the goofiness or kind of do anything like that or cool so this is how movies were made back then even though it's not yeah. true really good movies were still being not, made in that window of time and these 50s movies are kind of like no nah, they kind of feel like they're aimed at kids yeah <laughs> the, the, exactly the, the drive-through set 
So I think this one's kind of a mixed bag in that sense where it does fall to the trap of a lot of those ones like um like how the 50s blob fiend without a fiend without a face uh like stuff like that it it falls into like what i call the 50s stubborn ignorance where there are plot holes in things because the because the plot demands it where it's just like no 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 i don't believe that no 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 such thing as aliens and like that's it, it becomes a point in the story in the story where you have it's like an actual big issue because you have like the small group of people and other people won't believe them. And it's like, yeah, I know that's how like movies still do stuff like that too. But I think it's in the 50s sci-fi ones, it's to a a level that is a little bit over the top to a sense. I think this movie has uh, a few really good things, uh, really good ideas and some scenes that play out really well. But at the same time, there are, things that I don't totally love about it. And it's kind of like I said before, I don't really love the pod person thing. Uh, I, I love aliens. I like anything with aliens and sci-fi stuff, but I've never been huge into the pod person thing. And I get, I know this is a real Jared thing, a real Melvin nerd kind of thing, but I really get hung up on like some of the logistics of like what the pod people are doing because it's like, it's like, that doesn't make sense. And like it, like I know that's like a, a stupid nerdy thing to get hung up on, but it really bugs me in all these movies where it's like, okay, so the pod people get, they take over the other people and then they like still live the lives that the other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know you're doing it like as an act until you get them all. But at one point in all of these movies, uh, like 98% of the population is a pod person, except for like the two, three people who aren't. And it's like, so why are you still doing yeah. uh, doing it, the things it, I find I find that it really drives me nuts by the 2007 version because that movie exactly. is just, that movie is just so like it's trying to answer all these questions yeah and because like each each film kind of like steps up how it answers certain things or builds on yes. the yes. initial idea so so yeah. the one thing so I mentioned that this movie is based on the Jack Finney novel uh, story the body snatchers mm-hmm. uh, there was one thing I've, I found off the Wikipedia that's interesting because it's like a, a, a description of one of the things that they don't talk about because they never get this far so the yeah. dude the duplicates the pod people they live only five years and they cannot sexually reproduce. Consequently, if unstopped, they will quickly turn Earth into a dead planet and move on to the next world. One of the right. duplicate invaders suggests that this is what all humans do. Use up resources, wipe out indigenous populations, and destroy ecosystems in the name of survival. Snap! Uh. So so there's this idea that, like, I mean, so my introduction to that idea that I always think of is um, there was a uh, Grant Morrison comic called Marvel Boy that came out in the early 2000s, and there was an issue where where um, it was like a corporation, like an alien corporation came along. It was like an idea alien. It's an alien form that doesn't actually exist, but it's an idea form, and it finds itself on, or it gets to Earth, and it just mm-hmm. starts taking over people's minds, and it starts building up, like, once it gets into your head, you just start building this company and the idea is that eventually yeah. a corporation will take over the world because it'll and use up all its resources and then it'll disperse itself through rocket ships that it mm-hmm. builds using up all the resources and disperse itself out into the rest of the world and uh just to spread its idea so it's like this idea of like um it was well, like the xenomorphs too like sure. uh, it's like except it's not people aren't being replaced they're basically you being used to house the 
the unit of these things that then spread out. And they serve no purpose. They're mindless. It's like a, a mindless sort of operation. And like mm-hmm. with the, each of these things have like different processes. Like there are, these are ideas to like launch, like with the alien movies, they're about making like thrillers or action movies or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. With Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you could argue that with like a lot of the 50s science fiction movies is they're kind of like a reflection of the Cold War. And so you're, yes. so you're, so you're watching this movie and you're thinking about what is the reading of this movie that you're supposed to come away from? Now, mm-hmm. I, I feel that it's like kind of made in this fairly down the middle way where it's kind of like it plays both sides well. It doesn't mm-hmm. directly ever say communism's bad or anything like that. And I'm sure that people involved with it at the time, that was kind of like the main idea behind it, that it was like mm-hmm. this is a, a metaphor, an allegory for communism. But it's – but but – it's yeah. like, but it goes, I mean, it's obviously, it's like, well, now you would frame that as like, it's about conformity and like mm-hmm. the, the dangers of any sort of conformity. Um, and monoculture. Like, any, anything like, yeah, monoculture. Uh, everyone going to say to see the same movie and have everyone yeah. having to have the same opinion about something like that. Uh, and it's like, that's just like yeah. a, a drop of it, but like any sort of idea of like, and you can apply that to, uh, there's like scenes in this movie that like when I was watching it, it's like these depictions of like 1950s suburbia when like mm-hmm. they're going up for drinks or they're going over to their friends' houses and having chats. It was, I was thinking back to like the Douglas Sirk movies we watched, like mm-hmm. All That Heaven Allows and stuff like that. And this like particular world that they're depicting like i'm just like this is how people live in movies and Mm -hmm. people didn't all live that same way people had a a variety of lifestyles that are outside of these movie scopes but these are movies and this is the way they tell it and then people aspire toward those sort of things yeah um yeah uh, I was just going to say, just we'll get there too, but like in the Abel Ferreira, the 90s one, I think that one really ha- hits that theme more than any of the other ones, like the communism group individual in some very blunt, in-your-face ways, like Forrest Whitaker going, the individual does matter, the individual does matter, but then also like the army army culture versus like as groups and individuals and things like that. But we'll get there too. Anyways, I just thought what you were saying, I think the nineties version is a good example of that. They hit that thing more. Yeah. And then you have the seventies, which is like, it launches itself out of like, it's like a seventies paranoia movie. Yeah. Um, and just, it, it plays completely differently. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, just so more, more on the fifties one. So it's like, like I was saying, I know I know that to get hung up on that kind of stuff is like uh, kind of dumb because I'm always the champion of being like it's a movie who gives a shit, but it does it like until you care, what, what, yeah, until you care about it, yeah. Uh, but it was like we watched four of these fucking movies on top of like the loose remakes that we watched, and it just like really started weighing down on me. It was so it was like that part, and then also I was like, all right, so they clearly don't have like a hive mind. But they kind of do because they can like tell them in the start of the movie, they can tell each other apart from the normal people. But then later in the movies, and this isn't all of them, they can't. And that's like a huge plot point. It's like you can fool them. Don't show any emotion. It's like, well, it's like, but why, though? Like, why? Why is it like that when all the other things would lead you to believe that it's not like that these that these things could communicate? Well, see, that's the thing is, I don't know if they're actually 
communicating. Yes, we'll, we'll get to that because it's it really becomes obvious by the, in the by all the, the remakes by the most well by the the last one in particular mm-hmm. because that movie is so bad. Um, yeah. like it's just a poorly made movie in every way. So yeah. so just to give this movie its fair shake since it's the featured film uh, mm-hmm. and it's actually part of the collection. A uh, couple of things just to bring up about this movie. Uh, the ladies really are just throwing themselves left and right here at the uh, good doctor. Uh, Kevin oh. McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, and this guy is like a drunk pervert, and it's just like, man, I know he's a doctor, but you could find a better guy. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's what I thought. Well, he's least. and he's got. Well, man, that's all about that like ridiculous hair part he's got. There's this shot of him like crossing <laughs> the street, and like there, it's like it's this like huge streak of baldness that parts mm-hmm. his hair. It's like holy crap. I don't think I don't know if you wanted that. <laughs> Even worse, uh, my first note for this was prominent teeth. And then my second note was, my God, the teeth. Uh, Not just him, but like specifically him. Other characters too, but like his teeth are uncomfortable to look at. They're like (laughs) British style, like comical British huge at some points, I think. And it is upsetting. So anyways, this guy is not the most handsome leading man. This is our point. He's real. He's a real man. A real man. He's he's relatable. Um, Sure. So yeah, there's like a thing where it's like so, the whole movie just like builds up with like little moments. Like so, the doctors return to town uh, after being away, and he's immediately being told when he's being picked up by his secretary. I think how it's like, Mm -hmm. hey, you know the one girl, the one lady used to date in high school. She's come back and she was asking about you and stuff like that. And then there's like little things oh. where like a little boy is running away from his mom and almost gets run down. They're like, "What? Well, what's his problem? It's like, oh, I don't know. He's just being weird. And, um, mm-hmm. and of course, it's like all these little things of like people are just saying the darndest things. They're just saying, oh, my husband's not my husband. <laughs> like it's just like the slow rollout. And that's like how you tell these stories. Yeah. Um, but this like, like I said, it doesn't do any of the things that you know could be done better really well it's right. kind of just like done matter of factly um so it's kind of disappointing in that sense that like it never it doesn't have as many great like oh yeah that's a really good way of handling that moment and stuff like that and mm-hmm. it becomes obvious when you're like watching like the same story told four different times uh yeah. like what where the movie succeeds in other ways it doesn't mm-hmm. um so the the boy that he almost run, runs down, he gets brought to the doctor and he's like, just like, no, no, I don't want to go home. My parents aren't my parents. So like that. So uh, he's given some medicine every four hours. And I'm like, what kind of medicine was he given? Like that you're supposed to give him steroids, steroids. And then he gives HGH. that GH. He gives, he gives that young man a little smack on the ass. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the fifties, buddy. Yeah. You know what that remind me of more than anything was uh, invaders from Mars. Yeah, the yeah. young kid paranoia with the uh, body snatcher parents. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, that's not a Criterion mm-hmm. movie, but it reminded mm-hmm. me of it. Yep. Oh yeah, that's I I remember was thinking about that as well because I was like, that's weird. All these movies yeah. about swapping bodies and parents and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, there's a at one point. Um, there's in I have a quote here. It's someone's described as a forward wench. <laughs> there. 
there are a few times that uh, forward wench, not forward wenches, but things of that nature get brought mm-hmm. up. I, yeah. I didn't catch that one, but that's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, there's my note about 50 Suburbia, where it's just like, it's yeah. just go- like their whole life is just gossiping and drinking. So there's like a lot of stuff going on where it's just like, oh, so-and-so is acting weird. Oh, now they're all normal. Oh, this is going on. Oh, this is happening. It's just like, oh, the town's getting quieter. The bars aren't as busy anymore. And then finally yep. they get called over to the Belichick house. And then we get our first exposure to pods mm-hmm. in the greenhouse. Because and- there's this these pods and yep. half-formed people coming out of these pods. And it's weird. And that's what it is, I guess. That is what it is. Yeah. Uh yeah, there there are a few times there too. Like it's like I was saying, I think this movie does some things pretty well, but there are other things where it's like that doesn't work super good. Uh, like I think the doctor character, the lead, like they need him to be this standout hero type guy. But I also feel like I don't know, sixty years later, watching this thing, you're like, mm, some of that doesn't work. Like he figures this out so fast. Uh, they come into the bar where they see like the barkeep has a body on there and he's like hmm he's like how tall are you barman and he's like <laughs> five eight and he's like oh yeah yeah just like this body this, and uh, then that nose yeah he's like how much do you weigh like 140 <laughs> and he's like yes. i do weigh 140 and he's like hmm yeah you're just like this body on this table and it's like what it's he's, like i get it it's like you i get it it was the 50s movie you kind of have to move it along but like we were saying there's a lot of examples of 50 sci-fi where are you saying they don't do that are you saying that your dad can't look at a cow and know every stat about him <laughs> he probably could but so, he has years of experience so is this doctor rj yeah he can look at a body and go mm, looks about 140 and about five foot eight well, See, so what what I was getting at is the the jump uh, jump to conclusions that, that, that he does, his, where he's like, hmm, "This body looks just like you." You know what? This is an alien replicant, and it's going to take you over now. So it, it's the leaps uh, that I'm talking about. Uh, plus, this doctor is a complete fucking horn dog. Uh, yeah, I'm smashing tables. Um, he's like talking, and the lady's like, "Oh, your bedside manners isn't great," and she's like. And he goes, my bedside manners come later. And then he follows her into like a house and turns the light off. And it's just like, whoa, dude. And then like when he goes to the bar, uh, the doctor or the bartender like gets freaked out and smashes his glass. But the doctor like picks out the bloody glass from his drink and just like keeps drinking <laughs> it. And I was just like, whoa, that's this doctor is really living up to the uh, the name, I guess. That's right. So anyways, uh yeah, there was that. I brought up that scene because I think it fits with what I was saying. There are certain scenes that I don't think play super good. Uh, there's other scenes that are really good. Like I think where he's on the phone with the operator and he's like, all right, the operator's an alien. Just keep them busy. I'm going to go poke the shit out of these pods real quick. <laughs> so like there, there are scenes like that that are really good. And then there, there's a couple scenes that I think are like super funny and I don't think intentionally, but in like not in a bad way. It's not like, oh, it's so bad. It's funny. I just think it's really funny. Like they stop for gas and the the doctor sees the gas. They open the trunk and he's like, oh, shit. He's like, why is he in the trunk? Let's get out of here. And so they drive away and then he stops and opens the trunk. And then there's those two, two huge pods in the trunk. And it's like, what was that gas guy just hiding them behind yeah. his back? And then he like sneaks them in the trunk. And what was the plan? Those pods can't do anything. Like did he? 
like oh, but all they have to all in, in this movie though the pause just have to be like near you Right, and that's kind of yeah, like, but, and it's like, so it's not until the '93 version that they actually come up with like the best depiction of like how the pods get you, get you, and it's yeah. creepy as fuck. It's it's but awesome because like, in the other two, it's kind of like in the, in the first two, it's just like, oh, they just have to be like around you, and you just start. It just like as soon as you fall asleep, it kind of picks up on something somehow. Yeah. It's like not. I guess like okay, the limitations cert to a certain degree of like what they can do. I guess I don't know. It's odd. Um so uh, yeah. go ahead go ahead i was gonna say the other thing i thought was really funny was uh when they're like staking out the town square and then all those trucks come up full of pods mm-hmm. and the doctor's like farmers and he like punches his hand <laughs> because like farmers are evil or something because they're harvesting all the pods i thought that was really funny that's too. how they're doing so, it damn it farmers and he like yeah. just smashes his palm with those real fake ass rubber pods yeah good stuff though no um yeah i mean you, you get the uh, i guess the um oh god the greenhouse scene stuff which is like that's like probably the most exciting part of the movie and you you could probably. argue um but then i guess it's like there's the bit where uh doctor and his lady they get they get captured and cuz the, the whole town is now getting potted up and they're like seemingly the last people left that they know of and they get they get brought up to the doctor's office or they get cornered in the doctor's office and they're like, well, we're locking you in here and leaving you with some pods and you're going to go to sleep. No, we can't drug you because uh, we don't, it messes with your head. And it's just so you don't have to get knocked out, essentially, so yeah. they can continue doing some stuff. Um, we get the great line, though. It's like, when they're like talking about like what they're gonna do, there's oh god, there's three of them against one. I gotta like, I don't know if I'll be able to overwhelm them. And she, her mm-hmm. response is like, it's three against two. Give me a knife. That's like that's that's a pretty sweet line. Yeah, she's a she's a superstar in this because she also boils an egg in two minutes, which uh, she states she's like, give me two minutes, and she drops the egg in the water, and I went whoa whoa whoa. I said, ain't no bitch boiling an egg in two minutes. Need at least eight. You need at least well, and I boil, and that's a gooey egg at eight. Well, it depends on how you boil them, but if you leave that water boiling and you toss that egg in there, about six and a half minutes, it can come out, and it's not quite soft. It's a hard-boiled egg still. So I was just, I was real put off by that. All right, Jer. Guess it all depends on the stove, man. It's about that uh, well, heat still. Still, maybe. But anyways, open, open flames do a better job. I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a woman empowerment. Yeah, Bro. yeah. Before Alien, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So then we, we get, I guess, like the big chase scene, uh, and you get mm-hmm. the, the what I call the man train, like just like the giant herd of people running after um, our uh, protagonists, running up those steps, running up those steps. Yeah, we, we we get variations of this later on, um, mm-hmm. and then we get the blaring horn. Uh, because like the town has yeah. been completely hijacked, I guess, and they've taken over all elements of it. So I guess like the emergency system, because it's California, mm-hmm. you know, you never know when the Japanese are going to attack again here in 1956. Uh, they're just yep. around. So you get the blaring horn, which then gets kind of incorporated later on into the other films in a different mm-hmm. way. Um, there's like the scene where like they hide in the mine and like they go hide yep. under the the planks. And mm-hmm. I feel like that scene could have been just just better done. You know, yeah. like it could have been like intense. Like, cause I was thinking about in Spartacus, which came out like two years later, that whole scene with like, um, the, the gladiators being made to fight and you just get like Kirk Douglas sitting, waiting for his opportunity to die uh, and how well yeah. made that is. And it's Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick too. And you're watching this and it's just like, 
Oh, that's like nothing. It's just like mm-hmm. he filmed the scene. Don Siegel's filmed this because it was in the script, but he didn't think it out being like, how can I make this better? Like mm-hmm. that, that's kind of how this movie feels. Like it never felt like, it felt like, uh, Don Siegel maybe wasn't super interested in this material. And it was just yeah. like, it's a job. And, uh, he filmed this, this stupid sci-fi movie. Um, and he didn't draw out the, the intensity that this story could actually have. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear you dog. Yeah. And then you get the, the the payoff of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his, the lady falls asleep. Uh, old uh, Kevin McCarthy's on his own. He runs down the street trying to warn people about uh, how it's all happening. It's what's warning people. They let him go saying, who's going to believe him anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do. They do believe <laughs> him. And they start taking care of the problem. Like how I take care of you. It's uh, very Pat, you know? It's just kind of like, you know. Like the movie Pat? The yeah. SNL movie they, they, Pat? They, like that. What's that? Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's Pat. It's like, it's not a bad movie. Like, I like it. But, yeah, it just kind of uh, ends. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. I, I mean, as you go through these movies, uh, you know that they actually yes. they, they get better. So, um yeah, as a as a singular thing, like it's it's a pretty decent like fifty sci fi movie by any mark, but it's nowhere near the worst either. No. It's pretty well right in the middle. Right. But uh, once you once once you start watching eight or nine more of these fucking body snatcher movies, then you 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 get to see some things. Yeah. Okay. So as you were about to say, let's get to that nineteen seventy eight invasion. Um. So this movie. It opens up and it kind of feels like you're watching Superman the movie. <laughs> you get these like this like kind of spacey sci-fi planet scene of a bunch of spores coming off a planet floating up into space, and there's a montage of them traveling through space. And I I always think of Superman the movie when I start watching this. Um, my first experience watching this movie uh, was like on God, it was like Channel Twelve, and it would just like play rando movies um, and like. But the, the guy who was doing it, it was like this Athabasca film school, like correspondence course. And um, I don't know. This movie is stuck in my mind. But of course, when I watched this movie way back on the day, it was like in the old square television CRT monitor days. And this movie was like stretched all the fuck out because this movie's wide. And so when they had to mm-hmm. format it to fit into the screen, they just make all the people all stretched out. So it was always like, I always think of this movie being super weird looking. Any case, uh, we get the pods all the, the spores, the space spores, they land on Earth in San Francisco. And uh, we get Robert Duvall as a priest on a swing. And then, then we never and then, then we never <laughs> see Robert Duvall ever again. Um, and yeah, I don't know. So the movie just plays out with uh, our man, Donald Sutherland, um, yeah. can- Canadian, mm-hmm. um, being a health inspector, uh, checking out restaurants, serving up rat turds and nasty food. <laughs> And he's a real dick getting his uh, windshield smashed out, which becomes like a constant like uh, frame of reference for the rest of the movie about the world being out of sorts and distorted. Mm-hmm. Um, and his like kind of on again, off again relationship with uh, the lead here. What's her name? Brooke Adams? Dana uh, Brooke? Amy Adams. Amy, not Amy Adams. <laughs> RJ. I don't know. I don't have my internet open. Oh. I do this show live, baby. Raw. Raw. So... 
they have sort of like an on again, off again relationship, it seems, or like they did, or he cares about her. She's in a bad relationship. He wants her to leave. Um, he's like one of the first people to get potted out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the movie here, it plays just like another movie's happening. And then slowly up, the invasion happens into that movie where there's just like an overlay of the, it's a, it plays out in the background in subtle ways. Um, it feels like you might not even be watching an invasion of the body snatchers movie. It's just like, Oh, this, this kind of a drama with Donald Sutherland with this girl and, uh, come work for me in the lab. And it's like, well, what kind of movie would that have been? It wouldn't have been a good one, but, uh, but then there's this stuff going on. I think this movie has got some like the, I don't know, best uses of extras I've ever seen in a movie where there's this ones, which ones there's so many there's like, it's just like, there's people and they're like, are they looking at the camera? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or like, it's just like off. Or like, there's this man who's just like leaning up against an office door looking out. And they, there's no like explanation. It's just like, is that what pod people do? Or is it just like a guy? And it's just like off. Like everything about this movie is just off scenes. In particular, there's a scene where uh, it's like a pan along a bus. And it's all these people mm. just staring out of a bus. And you're mm. like, holy crap, this is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. you get jittery eyes <laughs> of, uh, yeah. the, the girl when she's just shaking her eyes, she's like, do the, do that thing you can do while they're sitting around. And it's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is that? Um, it's just like, they just knew that she could do it. And like, Oh, let's throw it in the movie. Cause it's the seventies. We can just have scenes that don't make sense. And they're just like mm-hmm. improvised. Why the fuck not? Um, but then, th- then things start kind of ramping up bit by bit as like there's suspicions about like people are being, Replaced, and then you get Kevin McCarthy, uh, still <laughs> being chased, running away, talking about pod people, and this scene is so fucking good. It is like awesome because you just get Kevin McCarthy's big face, just like looking like RJ from UHF, and uh, him just like running away. But the way the framing is, you just see him kind of run around a corner, and then you mm-hmm. see a bunch of people running after him, and it's like mm-hmm. whoa. And there's just more people, 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 people. And then you get this like off, like off camera, like sounds of like people screaming and then a car and then thump, thump, thump. And they're like, oh God, look around the corner. And it's all like shot inside the car and you kind of go around the corner and then you look mm-hmm. and you see uh fucking Kevin McCarthy just dead on the ground. A bunch of people just standing. And there's some people who are like normal. And then there's people who are just standing there completely emotionless. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, so good. Um, that scene is so good. Uh, one of the best scene, like best scenes in all of these movies are like just the droves of people hunting other people. But the way they do it in this movie is the best. It's so good. Yeah. And I mean, yep. it is a, this movie is super seventies. Like this movie, like I think it's more seventies than the Godfather. Uh, yeah. I think just like it captures like all those, like there's like the one trilogy. Um, like it's like all the president's men and Clute, uh, parallax view and stuff like that. Like that's kind of like this winter kills, uh, like all these like 70s thrillers, three days of the condor. I think invasion of the body snatchers is just like as good as of any of them. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a sci-fi movie. Um, because it's just like, it doesn't feel like a sci-fi movie outside of that very opening scene with the Superman, mm-hmm. the movie esque, uh, like space spit. Everything else about it is just like, this could be about anything. Uh, just people being kind of taken over. And then you just get like Jeff Goldblum and Leonard Nimoy showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get, yeah, we get uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum showing up as the Belichick character here. Yep. Uh, him and his wife run this disgusting fucking, <laughs> oh, gross mud bath joint. Mud bath. 
oh, it's, it is like one of the grossest looking things I've seen where you're like, oh, who would go in there like or sit in this mud bath thing? Because it's like it doesn't even look like like it's ever been cleaned. Um, maybe they just can't keep up to the demand of like large men wanting to wallow in mud uh, and read and read books. <laughs> I got news for you, buddy. What? It's not mud. Oh, well, well you yeah, you never went for a steam in a schwitz. No, never. Mm. I, I don't roll that way. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I saw that particular brand of dirtiness, and uh, it's sad because Jeff Goldblum is so defeated in that scene when you see his mud bath. You're just like, oh, man, feel bad for you, dude. Yeah, he's crushed and obsessed and complaining in just the, that Goldblum way. That, the only thing this movie was missing was Whoopi Goldberg, and then it would have been like peak 70s action. You know what I mean? Whoopi Goldberg. Peak 70s action. Well, you got Jeff Goldblum. You got Leonard Nimoy. You got motherfucking Donald Sutherland. You throw Whoopi Goldberg in there, you got yourself a stew going, baby. I don't really associate Whoopi Goldberg with the 70s, I must say. Yeah, well, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Keep going. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I wrote a note here. RJ, I don't want to be a pod person. Um, Are you saying you don't want to be part of the greater good? It's all about the whole, man. You're thinking individual. Yeah, you don't have to worry about anything anymore. Yeah. Um, my other notes about this. So, I mean, the synopsis of this movie, it's the same as the first movie, except that yes. it's told differently, and it's told mm-hmm. better. Uh, mm-hmm. Pod Sutherland is mm-hmm. fucking terrifying. Um, and I don't know if it's just like his, the webbed, kind of cobweb body stretching out and screaming mm-hmm. silently. It's the hair. It's it's Donald the Sutherland's pubes. like his locks that weird like mm-hmm. that's like iconically Donald Sutherland hair from this period of time. You think about like uh, uh, don't look now, <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's just like oh that hair of his. That, he's a seventies horror guy who's in these like kind of offbeat movies that are just floaty or clute too. It's just like he has this look that is perfect. Mm-hmm. Or uh, even like an odd when he's an odd oddball in uh, Kelly's Heroes, Donald Sutherland. Animal House. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that whole scene where, like, the pods are just emerging and you get, like, it, mm, it's far more. Fetus. It's It's like the greenhouse scene in the previous movie, but done out in the backyard. And mm-hmm. it's just these pods and there's four of them happening simultaneously. And I love the scene where uh, Donald Sutherland is, like, he can't smash the girl he likes his, like, pod person's face in. But he mm-hmm. just fucking destroys the one of his own head. Which yeah. I think is great because it's like the Uncanny Valley thing. It's just like that's the mm-hmm. whole idea is like when you see something that looks just like you but just a little bit off, you want to fucking destroy it. And this is like mm-hmm. the opportunity to do so. Uh, one little cameo note I'll throw out there is uh, director Don Siegel is the cab driver that's taking them to the airport. Mm. Um mm. Uh, didn't know that one. Yeah, I, I didn't either until I watched the special features and I went, oh, neat. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the hero of this movie is the cinematography. This movie looks so yeah. good. It like uh, the handheld stuff works really well. It's like kind of like those like artful experimentations that you would see kind of in the late sixties, early seventies. It gets refined mm-hmm. to this point where it works on a narrative level and it makes total sense why it's there rather than just being like f- far out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'd say that like the end of the movie, like the chase stuff is kind of like, it's, it's almost cause it's like, has to be there. Um, mm-hmm. and then they get away because they have to get away to get to the next scene. Um, when Donald gets his like revenge, I guess, and like 
blows up the like warehouse with all the pods being grown. It's almost mm-hmm. like kind of like, yeah, he did it, but not really. He didn't really ever do it. It seems like pod people are very bad at like electrical safety because he just like knocks over stuff yeah. and it just explodes into flames. And you're like, oh man, this is a real uh, sloppy job these pod people are pulling off. But you've never dropped a lamp in your house? The uh, mass explosions on, on top of vegetation. I guess I haven't because I haven't had the the, the desire to or the need to because I wasn't trying to blow up mm-hmm. pods. Um, and yeah, I mean the movie's got like one of the all time greatest endings ever. Yes, that's it like does. that's so iconic and gifable. Um, gifable, gifable. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this movie is a super classic. Uh, it does it does the story really well. Um. I guess, I think it's, it's it for me it's gotten better with every, with every viewing. Um, you know what's funny? Mm. I watched this for the first time uh, for Creeptober like two years ago. Yeah, and uh, I remember I liked it when I watched it, but I wasn't like super hot on it. Yeah, and I went in this one thinking like with that in mind, I was like, yeah, it's good, I think. Uh, and I watched it this time, and I was like, holy fuck! I was like. That's a high quality movie, baby. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just because my palate is a little more diverse now. I've dipped my toes in more seventies film and just film in general. So, uh, no, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It gets better with with age and with reputed reputed repeated watchings. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think this movie is super good, man. There's lots of stuff to like about this. Uh, like you said, it it kind of it takes a lot of the fifties one uh, things that are good and makes them better and things that weren't good and makes them great. Like there are certain things that I think this movie does way, way better than any of the rest. Uh, like I was saying the, like the droves of, uh, people just running. I think that is re- done really well. Um, this movie does the, like the subtle creeping dread better than any of them. It, it's so yeah, good yeah. where it's like, like you were saying, like with extras, like there's always just people in the background, like looking at the camera and uh, it's it's so much better in this one than in well, any of these, well, and just in it's just really really well done in general. Not even just for a body snatch. Well, because like when you watch, yeah, because like in the '56 one, like there's like the whole like you don't get the sense that any of the pod people have been replaced. They just yeah. act like like the 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 sheriff. He's just like the same guy. He just talks like a a sheriff who's like, oh, you well, you know how it is. We just got we yeah. have to take care of this. And it's like he doesn't like. There's no shift in like the delivery there's no like idea of like hey maybe we should all play this in a like down pat way or a monotone way like nothing they're just like nah. guys mm-hmm. they're just like oh come on you gotta come along with us it's the way to do it which i guess like could work um i think like chanel when she was like kind of like she watched most of uh the 70s one with me and she was like mm-hmm. just in love with it she loves 70s uh cinematography and stuff like that and she was like in love with the framing of this movie um mm-hmm. and she was like kind of talking about how like these movies they're kind of like i am legend like this yeah. idea with this idea of like you're the you're the monster by the time the story plays out because mm-hmm. you're in the wrong because you're outnumbered and so there's like that mm-hmm. idea as well sort of in there like of just of a, a mass and being the individual being squared out yeah. um and you could and yeah you could speak to whatever relevance that would have had in the 70s i guess mm-hmm. about individualism and stuff like that which becomes like a major driving force of like political campaigns for the decades to come where it's like mm-hmm. about like yeah reaganism about getting ahead yourself and stuff like that and being rejecting like hippiness in like commune like communes mm-hmm. and stuff like that and like 
you can't trust other people and stuff like that. We're kind of in on this on our own because, like, look what happens when groups get together. Bad things happen, man. <laughs> Melees forever. Yeah. Am I right? No, yeah. Uh, I think this movie does all that stuff really well. Um, there's even other things like – so there are certain threads from the original 50s, one that get held throughout all of these. Like, there's the – the phone call, uh, this one, much it's played out a lot bigger where it's like, how do you know my name? And then that gets carried on through all of these. Um, there are scenes like that that are, I think, done. Like, there are things that are carried on to, like, certain characters. Like, there's always this, like, kind of doctor character, even if it's a food inspector or an actual doctor or, like, an EPA survey guy. Um I think so in the first one, the main guy is like a creepy pervert. And in this one, I think Donald Sutherland is a creepy pervert, but it's somewhat charming and it's like likable. He, he likes to make Chinese food. How yeah, he's just he like be? making Chinese food and he's like, you want to stay the night? And she's like, no, come on. And he's just kind of like like a really soft, like little wink. And he's like, I know, girl. <laughs> he's like, you just know that it's open in case you ever want to. Opportunity. So, yeah, so like he he is like kind of a creep in this, but it's it's like super charming. So you're like, all right, whatever, I'm okay <laughs> with that. Uh, yeah, no, this movie is fucking wicked, man. It's really good. Uh, it's got uh, that dog man that is your your favorite thing, <laughs> which sure is, is super cool. Yeah, uh, uh, Chanel didn't realize that was coming. That was from this. She oh. oh, she hates dog boy. She hates that dog man. Because I love how, because I love how it's set up in this movie. Because it's like, oh, it's the busker with his dog. Yeah. And they're just hanging out, and then it's like one of the the pod that it happens with. It's like, oh, it's like something's wrong with it. It's like a sick pod, mm-hmm. and then it just takes on both of them, and then it winds up with the the mutants, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's good stuff, baby. Yeah, so good. Yeah, it's a good show. And like, yeah, uh, back when I watched this uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my rewatch of it, I made the note that this would fit really well with like the uh, John Carpenter Apocalypse trilogy. Like, it's very yeah. in line with like, uh, like the Thing, uh, In the Mouth of Madness, uh, Prince of Darkness. It's got, it's very nihilistic and like the faculty. The, yeah, the faculty. Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, Brooke, yeah, it fits in with that. It's Brooke, classic. Brooke, yeah, Brooke Adams. There, RJ is the name of uh, Amy Adams. Yeah, you're my favorite actress. Yes, she is. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, the movie's super good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super, no, super good. I think it's a totally awesome classic. From a Criterion alumni. So we now jump ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, to, yeah, because the other thing is this is from the director of The Unbearable Lightness of Being. That this is true. Utterly, utterly forgettable movie. Uh, uh-huh. that like has Daniel Day-Lewis and that's all you need to know. But he also did the right stuff, uh, the right stuff. Yeah. So, and, and Quills starring Jeffrey Rush as the Marquis de Sade author of the all time banger, 120 days of Sodom <sighs> connections everywhere, 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 yeah. everywhere. So, uh, the one thing that's kind of neat about these uh, invasion movies is that because they're each each one of them takes place in a different decade, uh, mm-hmm. these films all really encapsulate, for better or worse, the decade that they're in. 
Like there's not, right. they're, they're not like, they don't feel like they're ahead of their time. They feel like they were made in the time they were made. Um, so like the fifties one, it feels like a 50s sci-fi movie, like through, through and through, uh, mm-hmm. the seventies film, it feels like a seventies paranoia movie, which is awesome. If you like those type of things, uh, mm-hmm. body snatchers from 1993, this movie feels like a 1993 science fiction horror movie. The, yes. the pedigree of the filmmakers in this film. So <laughs> we have Abel Ferreira who directs mm-hmm. this movie. This is like his like mainstream movie. This is like, so he's the guy who's directing movies like Driller Killer, Miss 45, Bad Lieutenant. Um, mm-hmm. Like he's a scrappy like New York weirdo. Um, and it's like, hey, we're going to tap you to make Body Snatchers. And the script that you're going to be working from mm-hmm. is written by none other than Larry Cohen and Stuart Gordon to name two. That's like pretty uh-huh. sweet. Uh, the one thing that kind of shocked me was looking this up. Roger Ebert gave this film, RJ four stars. What? <laughs> yeah. That old pervert. He gave this bad boy four stars. Okay. Wow. So, uh, as I mentioned off the top, uh, body snatchers was like probably the first body snatcher movie I'd seen because it was just playing on TV when I was in high school or junior high, probably even, mm-hmm. and it was just on. And I remember watching it. Um, and like this movie kind of fits into like my mental, uh, space of like these late eighties, early nineties science fiction horror movies that tell you the government cannot be trusted and is bad. Because mm-hmm. movies like The Blob, <laughs> um, Return of the Living Dead Part 3, they're all about like evil military complexes and experiments going on. Or like there's something like critical about the government. Um, and so if you want to like slot in like these remakes of uh, 50s movies in like modern films. like So you have like The Fly uh, mm-hmm. from the 86, which is like the greatest monster film ever made. Uh, you have the eighties blob, which is like a great movie s- far surpasses the, uh, fifties blob. Um, and then, so, I mean, in the seventies they did invasion and it surpassed the original, this body snatchers. Mm-hmm. I'd say that it's not, a, again, it's not a movie without faults, but I, I'd say that yeah. I enjoy it just as much. I guess is the fifties one. Um, mm-hmm. but it's got a lot of things going for it that are like really good. Um, yeah. despite kind of having kind of a bland sort of overallness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it fills in a lot of gaps. I feel with the concept of invasion of the body snatchers and that feels very Larry Cohen ish. Like he, like he, it feels like mm-hmm. he looked at it and he was trying to like figure out, well, how does that work? How does mm-hmm. this, how does this line up? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And like, let's improve on these elements here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that pops up is like the pods are like way more like mossy and like vegetative in this yeah. movie. Uh, and they're like being pulled out of the water, like potatoes, which <laughs> is like, it's like, that makes total sense. It's like, why are yep. like, we don't see how these, these pods just emerge. Like there's the one like in uh, the seventies one, or it's just like this full blown, like, garden just emerges in the bedroom which is kind of like a surreal image but it doesn't make any sense because it's like well where is this coming from it just grows and grows and grows all on its own uh and this it's like no they're just like they're they're being grown in the water and they get pulled out by the soldiers and just Mm -hmm. plumped out they're real gross nasty looking uh pods um 
And then you get the thing that we talked about. It was like, how do the pods work? Like, how do they actually, like, mm-hmm. mix with the people? And we get that. And it's awesome. Like, I love the the, the potato tendrils because um, it's, like, a yep. really ugh, up, like up, up, off-putting uh, visual and, like, sensation. Yeah, so I have a few things to say. Uh, yeah. I hate when potatoes spud uh, those little tendrils off. It's the grossest thing. Yeah. I'll puke. I just hate it so much. Uh, I think it is an absolute great idea that they did that. It was like, yeah. let's get these puby potato pods just to sprout off all these gross little spud things and that, like tendrils. That go up your nose and that, out into your mouth and all your ears. Over. Yeah, so I think I agree. I think that is really cool. Um, I, this one really reminded me of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, because of the obvious don't the sleep thing, but then the bathtub thing because it's like the tendrils coming through the bath. So Yeah, so uh, the other one that she, uh, when Chanel was kind of like coming in and out of this one, she kind mm-hmm. of like was like, I think she made the comment the previous one. It's like Shivers, uh, David Cronenberg's yeah. first movie, yeah, yeah. where it's like, it's not like a body, yep. inv- it's not a body swap, body invasion movie, but it's like a parasite that takes you over. And there's like, mm-hmm. a, and there's a bathtub scene. There's like that continuity between that and Nightmare, um, and just people becoming replaced and then being sent mm-hmm. out into the world to further infect people. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that was like that scene is very because it's like uh, Heather Lappenkamp, that like look of the girl. Like she even kind of has it. She's like the brunette female character mm-hmm. that's like always in these types of movies and she's rebellious and there's like <gasps> and there's like the sort of like the, so this movie kind of starts off and they don't drive it home too much um the whole idea of like your mother's do- dead and now she's been replaced by the stepmother and they don't mm-hmm. nail it home because her stepmom seems like a really nice person like she seems yeah she well she yeah but i'm i think that's more real because it's like sometimes stepmoms are really nice and then it's just yeah. little kids that are like fuck you man yeah well, that's the thing. Is like, but sometimes that's like they for these types of movies, they they find a reason for them not to get along, and they don't actually mm-hmm. get to that point where they get don't get along because mom's replaced real quick, um, and like very like, and you actually get the what happens when what happens to the bodies because mm-hmm. in the first movie, you don't it doesn't get addressed really much at all. Um, yeah. I think in, in in the book, you 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 dry up and dust and turn to dust in mm-hmm. um, in the invasion. They don't really show what happens. It's very like offhand, where it's like, yeah, you're just—they're just getting dumped into the garbage, into the dump trucks, uh, which is another like awesome image in uh, the '70s movie. And the other thing too that like is super subtle uh, is that throughout the movie, uh, in the '78 one, there's like wildlife and birds and stuff like that earlier mm-hmm. on, and there's like this active soundtrack. But as the movie progresses, those things disappear. And the movie mm-hmm. becomes just like quiet and like, un- like the only sounds you hear are like ma- sounds of like machines and cars and stuff like that. But you don't yeah. hear like life anymore, which I think is really cool. Uh, anyway, so yeah, for this movie, like it gives you like a really graphic depiction of what happens to your body after you've been snatched, and mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, you're gone. And we get to see uh, her, uh, our little brother here, our little boy, <laughs> witness it firsthand, and then he gets to see his naked mom emerge out of the closet which is like so good Mm -hmm. um and yeah then the movie just kind of plays out kind of from there it's got these really good visuals and these good moments um and of course like it takes till the third movie and introducing children that you're like holy shit those last two movies i've watched have had no children at all other Mm -hmm. than like in that opening scene with uh those kids looking around at the pods and robert duvall looking over 
That's it. That's the only time you really see children because then it becomes like movies like about adults. And I find that like with this movie, it's like, hey, wouldn't this be way more fucked up if like kids were getting replaced? Because then people are like, oh shit, mm-hmm. what about my kids? My kids are going to get replaced. Uh, and so it took this long for it to happen, uh, which really pays off with uh, some amazing uh, compositing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought that was fun. I thought it was good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the compositing is a little off in the helicopter scene. But <laughs> there is some good, like, soggy bodies in this. It's got some good practical effects. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's very hey, cool. Did you notice Mac's mom in the hospital bed? I, I saw you, uh, Graham, about that. Did you, did you, like, zoom in on it, though? That's her, for sure. Yeah. I checked on IMDb. It's not credited, though. And like, mm. I guess it wouldn't be because she's just like unnamed bed attendant. But well, she, she it could have been called. Un- it could have been an. Un- I mean, it could be sourced if you could actually yeah. confirm. It. Well, you you out there listening, you look. That's Max Mom. I, I think you're onto something sunny. because there's like the one, there's like one 80s women in prison movie that she's like in, and it's like, and she yeah. looks the same. Like she's looked the same for yeah, decades. It's her, for sure. <laughs> but anyways, not that you have to twit uh, Twitter her. Say hey, were you in? Uh, I wonder if she's on Twitter. I'll uh, ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how would you rank the the boyfriend in hunkiness in this film? Um, anywhere from moderately hunky to trying too hard hunky. Yeah. He's a little like I was like asked Chanel. I'm like, how does he like on the Billy Zane scale? Because that's like seems to be what he's yeah, going for. I think that's a probably a pretty good like tick is Billy Zane. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, because it's like he's like your uh, '90s Marlon Brando before mm-hmm. before he went all the hell, just like Marlon Brando, just like Marlon Brando. Oh, yeah. My God, my God. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, I think this movie's like very easy to watch, pretty entertaining. Uh, I think the last time I'd watched this as well, I think I actually liked it more this time, and I think it was like also in the context of watching these movies. Um, back to back where I'm like, I like this for the, for like a B movie nineties movie that like got dumped like into like 15 theaters and then kind of just like went onto like video and kind of has like had this like weird life. Like you look at the poster, it looks exactly mm-hmm. like a, a piece of shit does, but it's like, no, this movie's got like a lot of effort put into it. It's got that Forrest yeah. Whitaker. It's got the doctor from Oz. Uh, Arlie Emery. That's right. Um, and it's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting to my, uh, complaints i guess about like the concept itself yeah but yeah, i mean like any other thoughts you want to share or notes about 90s uh, body snatchers because like i like this movie i think it's uh worth a watch if you're looking for a 90s horror movie with some good i think effects. this would be a double feature with the faculty sure there's some there's some strong 90s stuff in there the faculty is way more mainstream 90s yeah but uh this one is more like uh in your face grunge romance 90s so right uh, no, I liked uh, Body Snatchers. I thought it, like the takeover scenes were cool and some of the soggy bodies were pretty cool. So I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it was a lot better than uh, what we finish on. Yeah. Uh, and But of course, like this movie, the, the end of this movie is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's, hell, it's, hell, it's pretty silly. It's, it's kind of bad, actually. But Raining uh, hellfire. Oh, man. The, just like where it's like, yeah, we wrap this. We finish up the job. And it's just like, oh, they just shot this helicopter scene with missiles and they just shot this over and over again. It's like, mm-hmm. that's the end. And, uh, yep. Yeah. And you don't really get like resolution with the mom, the stepmom. I guess she gets, gets yeah. I think there's a shot of her like dying in the, the base 
Probably. Spoilers. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think this movie's cool. Good good effects, and it kind of fills in those, like, you, you know Larry Cohen, when he watched those movies, he's like, well, how did this happen? How did this mm-hmm. work? And Stuart Gordon's like, hey, wouldn't this be fucked up? And they're like, yeah, put it together, and Abel Ferrara just was there to shoot it. Um, mm-hmm. And this movie, like, the, the cinematography of this movie is so 90s. It's like, I don't yeah, know. I can't, I, I, I always wonder what lens they, or whatever equipment they were shooting at. Cause these movies always look the same. They it's always, a D lens. Yeah. They're perfect. Thank you. Yeah. The D lens. The D lens. And that brings us to, uh, 2007's The Invasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie I'd never seen before. Um, for no particular mm. reason other than, I guess like I didn't, I didn't care about it. Like it's got this generic yeah. title, the invasion. I don't even know if I knew at the time that it was a body snatchers movie. Um, I vaguely remember certain things about it, like seeing it at like King of trade at like the pawn shop, like for like five bucks and being like, Oh, mm. who directed this? And being like, what, how the fuck did he direct this movie? Cause it's, um, uh, Oliver, um, Stranger? Schroeberg or whatever the fuck his name is. Let's click that one here. Uh, Oliver Her- Schroeberg. Hirschbeigel. So, uh, are you okay. are you familiar with him at all? So he directed no. uh, two really good movies. He directed Das Experiment and Downfall, uh, mm-hmm. the movie that depicts the last days of Adolf Hitler in the bunker. Nice. Uh, and so I'm not sure how you'd be like watching those movies and go, you know what? I think this guy would be great for a body snatchers movie with Daniel <laughs> Craig and Nicole Kidman. Um, and for so the paycheck. Uh, well, I guess for the opportunity to become a bigger filmmaker. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what happens to guys. Um, so that didn't work out great because uh, what happened was yeah. whatever whatever movie uh, Hirsch Beigel handed in, the studio went, nah, we don't like this. So they got James McTeague, uh, director <laughs> of V for Vendetta and Ninja Assassin to like mm-hmm. do some uh, some reshoots. They spent like $10 million to get that. Uh, the, the Wachowskis worked on that those additional scenes to like make it sellable, make it a better movie. Mm-hmm. I I don't even know where to to begin to talk about this film. Um Just tell me how you feel. Oh, uh, also so the original writer of this David uh Kazinchik, uh his career started writing the uh Mick Garris directed The Stand. Uh, he also direct or he also wrote the the movie Blood Creek with Michael Fassbender as a Nazi vampire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he uh, wrote that uh, that a bigger splash movie. And you remember oh, remember, the, remember those trailers? Yeah, I uh, remember. Tr- true story with Jean Franco, mm. and currently uh, his film that he wrote the screenplay for of Suspiria, the remake of that. Oh um, no! Yeah, so kind of not 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 a great screenwriter to begin with. Yeah, um, Oliver Hirschbeigel. What, what what has he done since uh, Downfall and Experiment? Nothing really. This movie mm. probably uh, really uh, derailed him. It didn't nice. work out for him. Anyways, nice. so this movie uh, stars Nicole Kidman with this like bizarre accent. It's like I didn't even notice. It's like half. British half Southern Bell, and it changes between scenes. Like in, mm. in even like in conversations, it just varies. It's unbelievable. Um, I have a hard time with Nicole Kidman. I think like she looks like a movie star. I get it, um, but mm-hmm. boy, her performances it really is all over the map. You never know what you're going to get with her, what she's thinking, what she's getting at. And I don't think she knows how it comes across on screen either because it's so wildly inconsistent. Um, and like I said, so this film, uh, like the other films, really encapsulates 2007 filmmaking. 
And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, in the worst ways, in a lot of ways, it's got a lot of that uh, fast-paced, erratic editing yeah. um, that I just don't like. It's just when, you, when you're coming off of three of these movies in a row, then suddenly the editing of this really picks up in like the way that like a born supremacy kind of would. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not not good. Start at the end, then go back, show the start, then go to the end again. Yeah. Time. Well, yeah. What, what, uh, Nicole, what is it? Elliptical? Elliptical. Storytelling? Well, it's a, in media res, and then yeah. it's like having her de- chugging down some Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. <laughs> I thought it was so funny that it was Mountain Dew. Yeah. I was like, why Mountain Dew? And then later, like, there was energy pep- drinks some, at that later, time. And then later, some Pepsi. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So after four of these films, uh, the initial idea, you, you, you start seeing problems with the core core concept that you talked about so the two big ones and you you mentioned it earlier so number one is that you think that by 2007 you would have a script writer that would like actually try to figure out how to make the pod people's argument of joining them more persuasive Mm -hmm. but they've never gotten to that phase it's always like this is like the worst thing possible. Like they're never like, yeah. Oh, you don't have to worry about war. Like, and you have this whole backdrop to this movie where it's like the Iraq war, man. And mm-hmm. It's very much of its era in a way where you're like, mm-hmm. it's eye rolly. And it's like really like, Oh, these bad things are happening on the TV, man. If we were all pod people, war wouldn't happen anymore. Wouldn't that be better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what? That's so stupid. It's like not smart at all. Um, and it's like, but I mean, like, I feel like I've watched like some movies about like cults and like in those movies, like there's like kind of like a thing where you're like, you should be seduced by the pod people. Like, why don't, why, yes. why don't they seduce you? Why are they like, so like, it's better this way. You all join us. Cause we're the pod people. You don't have a choice. And like, then they puke on you and then, Oh, fuck me. Okay. So no, keep going. No, the, the, the puking, um, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and so and this is like where it becomes really annoying because it's mm-hmm. like because now it's like a 2007 movie. It's more relatable to our own lived experience of like. Uh-huh. So why do the pod people continue behaving like pod people after they have been taken over? It's, it like, doesn't make any so sense. So it's like yeah. So like in this world where pods are like this like protoplasmic like fungus that like takes yeah. over people. In this one, there's no podding. It's just like. You get puked, you get puked on, or you get exposed, and it it fuses with your DNA, and uh, Mm, then you and and, and then you become compromised. Cool, all right. Um, But then, like once you've once once you have to like infiltrate the society and break down their barriers and replace and replace and replace, and you take over people. At a certain point, it's like, well, what does pod people land look like after pod people have taken over and it seems like all they just behave like humans still they drive they go around their business they take elevators and you're like Mm -hmm. is that what plant people would do like i guess like in my mind i'm like like, what end i start doing the thought experiment so it's like yeah like why after you think you've taken over a a society do you pretend to be humanoid still if you're pods Mm -hmm. when do you start going about things like a pod people would like in waves like you wouldn't just be like this idea that you could sneak through pods like that's the thing that's the one that drives me the most nuts in this movie at this point watching all these movies and it becomes a problem here is because i you expect more from the concept like if you're going to remake this do something more like 
think about mm-hmm. it more. Um, so it's like, why are the pod people like okay with the fact that they think that oh Nicole Kidman's like don't sweat because they'll be able to tell you're not a pod person because you're sweating or don't be emotional because then they'll be able to tell that you're not a pod person. But it's like, well, why are they even like acting like oh I'm going about my business, I'm walking in this direction? It's like, wouldn't they just be all acting like in a phalanx? Like they'd all just be waves mm-hmm. of people just walking around accomplishing goals. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I mean. It's like it's like they have hive man men, hive mind mentality. Holy cow, hive mind mentality, but they don't because they can't even tell if you're actually a pod person or not, right. in, unless it's convenient for the plot. Yeah. And that, like, that's what I mean. Like the way these movies always start, it's like the pod people can tell other pod people from each other. That's why they always like meet up and they exchange pods and stuff. Right. It's in all of these movies, but and then that's how it is until it's until it's not anymore, and then it's like okay, we can't tell who's mm-hmm. who. So um, it's it's frustrating. Yes, uh, on top of yeah, so you have to contend with uh, Nicole Kidman's horrible accent. Uh, yeah. You have Daniel Craig who gets to do nothing. Not really. He he's here, and I'm like, whoa, that's star power. And it's like, oh, I guess he wasn't like quite there yet. Casino Royale, I not guess. Yet. Like, yeah, not yet. Yeah. Not. Uh oh, yeah. They take away the crazy snatcher scream. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. People just it's like um there's dog killing. <laughs> yeah, like just rampant. Because they this movie. they decide to add to the body snatcher mythos in their film. They're like, yeah, dogs can tell. And then they just get killed. And then like, oh, here's a dog that gets thrown in a garbage can. And then we hit that garbage can out the car. And then the dog dead body carcass flies across the windshield. And you're like, uh-huh. oh man, this movie's so edgy. It's it's going where you can't believe it's, it's gone. It's like, no, it's yeah. This movie sucks. Um mm-hmm. like this was like it was like easy enough to watch because I just was kind of doing other things while it was going on. Because there's like the the way it's shot, it's not good. It's that desaturated blah look that like every movie has, Mm -hmm. uh, it seems after a certain point in this current decade, this this epoch. Um, It doesn't Mm -hmm. do anything new for the concept. It's just... It's just a bad movie, Jared. It, It makes me like go back and think, like when I was watching it, I was like, oh... This is why people think so highly of Arrival, because like, yeah, I, I don't know. People watch really bad movies, and then I guess like then they go, well, in comparison, this movie is way better than this thing. And I'm like, well, that's okay. I mean, I compare, I compare movies like that too, but mm-hmm. like this movie is just like terrible in a different way than like my problems with a movie like Arrival, um, where it's like yeah. this is just like the the drizzling shits. Some might say. Um, the what? The, is that? That's, I think, the technical terminology. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm trying to even think about anything to say about this movie. Like That's like constructive criticism. Um, no, they do everything wrong. Everything wrong. There's no not... Where the 70s did everything right, this one did everything wrong. Yeah. And it doesn't like... We're, and were the 90s snatchers like adds some elements that are unique or different yep. or like, Hey, let's play up the horror element. And this movie is just like, Hey, it's, this is like a shitty, like war of the worlds. Yeah. Movie. It is. Like it's just, but like with nothing going for it. And there's like, and I'm, I have a bone to pick with you actually, because when we were discussing uh, this episode, um, 
you had made some comment to me, and this was like off the air of how like yeah, there's the only thing I remember about it was a scene where it's like has like all these pod people jumping off of buildings, and they were doing that to like get people to like yeah. out, out themselves. And so I was like, okay, because I was thinking I'm like, oh, yeah. that's kind of neat. It's kind of like uh, the happening, and it came out a year before mm-hmm. the happening. Oh, that's neat. So I'm watching this movie, and I'm waiting for this scene of like how they like out people by like just having pe- pod people sacrifice themselves because they don't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if a pod person dies, mm-hmm. but. No, it's just like this. You get this scene of like, oh, it's a couple, and they they decide they don't want to live in a pod people world, and then they jump jump off, and some woman screams, outing her as a non pod, and then she gets taken away. And I went, that wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> Confabulation, buddy. I was mis misremembering things. I guess so. Yeah, you're you're thinking about so, the happening and wishing that you were watching which is the happening. A high quality movie. I wish you had had mm. watched it for this. After episode. I after I had watched this, I was like, I don't want to watch the happening because it's actually it looks like it's actually worse than this. So uh, maybe next week. <laughs> nope. Um, so yeah, this movie really lived up to expectations. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd heard how bad it was. And it's just bland and forgettable. Scenes just go on. There's like, oh, there's like flashbacks, which is like, because it's like, oh, just in case you forgot what happened a half hour ago, let's show you again. Just mm-hmm. patronizing bad filmmaking. This is so studio-y. Um, there's, just, there's nothing to recommend. It just exists. Yep. It's a bad It's a bad one, baby. It's a bad time. Yep. Um. Yeah. Anyways... Any thoughts? Any other thoughts you have about these Snatcher movies? Uh, I maintain what I said earlier. Uh, I love Aliens. I'm not super huge on the pod Aliens, but uh, that's the 70s one is pretty fucking sweet. And the 50s and 90s are good watches too. So I, uh, I should add that I was contemplating watching the Asylum-produced film Invasion of the Pod People mm. or Seed People. I think it's Invasion of the Seed People. Um and so that movie, because like as we all remember, Asylum was the studio that would make these knockoff movies when mm-hmm. other blockbusters were coming out, and they try to rush them out to Walmart. So you would like yeah. dumb people would be like, "I'm looking for uh, that new movie." Oh, look, they've already come out on DVD. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, and there are people who legitimately do do, do this. That. So this yeah. this is like a, a smart business plan. And you don't have to make a good movie or anything like that. And this movie just looked like a like softcore lesbian film. And oh, nice. I looked at film stills, and I decided, no, I'm not going to watch this. Like this, this sounds. You don't, you don't do anything for the show. I know. I I didn't uh, RJ it out for this one because I, I, usually you're watching those Jim Wynorski movies. Um, I, I'm going the extra mile on everything we do. Yeah. Everything. Remember when you made me watch those bad movies that I hate? Yeah. Like, like Mute and what was the other one you made me watch recently? <laughs> I don't remember. Like so many bad movies, all for the show. All for the show, taking the hit. Uh huh. Um, well, that leaves one little bit of business to attend to, and that Uh-oh. is, who hates Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956? Probably some lame, well, lame, lame so wads. It's actually kind of impressive. So this movie's got 14,000 people who've logged it on Letterboxd that have mm-hmm. said they've watched it, and the lowest star ratings for it start at two stars. So that's not bad. It's not bad, yeah. Yeah, usually, usually there's a couple, like, half star, one stars. Um, Ashford Hastings, two stars. Dear. Not good enough to be entertaining, not bad enough to be fun. Even the B-grade Twilight Zone episodes play with more interesting ideas in 23 minutes than this does in 80. Sure, 
I'm bet this was a fresh take on McCarthy era paranoia in 1956, <laughs> but it just doesn't hold up. Call it Seinfeld effect, but that doesn't excuse the over-reliance <laughs> on the love dynamic, lack of interesting ideas, and overall lack of fun. The scene where the doc first inspects the transformed body is cool, though. What's the Seinfeld effect? You should look that up because I have no idea. I'm not looking that up. Okay. Terry Howard, two stars. Hilariously bad movie, but an interesting Mm -hmm. look at the social climate of early Cold War America. I don't know. Where where is the hilariously bad part kick in? I am not sure. I don't know. It's it's not bad. Like there there are things that I didn't like, but I mean, I watched a lot of this, these 50s sci-fi before, and there's some of those that there's some bad shit. This one doesn't have that much. No, it's, it's like, yeah, watch, watch some of those Corman sci-fi numbers. That's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know if you, they're hilariously bad. Just not good. Uh, and one more, Spider-Borg, two stars. I had never seen this version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but I have previously seen the 1970s remake as well as Body Snatchers from the 1990s. This movie was okay. It had a few (laughs) long periods where my attention started to wander. That's to be expected with most movies of this age. I kind of expected a downer ending like the 1970s one had, so that was a little disappointing as well. And people need to get over themselves. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Like you. Like me. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's, there's not like what we, what we said is like yeah, it's fine. It's not the best, but it's by no means the worst movie we've fucking watched so far. It's not even that bad in terms of fifty sci-fi. Like I I would put it right in the middle. Yeah, it's got some good parts. Yeah, it's not the best, but it's it's not bad yep. by any means. Nope. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, it's a decent movie. Um, yep. I, w- I wouldn't not watch it again. Um, it's just mm-hmm. like it's a, a product of its time. It doesn't go above what those movies could be, which is I Kinda guess like, like you, like me. I, I don't go above what a co what you could be a co-host on a podcast could do. You're you're of not, your time. Not watching my uh, asylum lesbian pod people movies. I would have done it. Uh, you should have. I, I know I, I would have. I, I told you about it. You, I don't have a copy of the movie. Yeah, I don't own well, said movie. Not many people have copies of this. It kind of flew <laughs> under the radar. I imagine. It, it looks so gross. Like, it it doesn't look appealing in the least. It's, like, real mm. bad. It's, it's, like, badly shot porn, even by porn standards. Like, nice. n- like DV quality. Real, real great. Nice. Anyways, I think that's it. We did it. Who, us? We did it. Oh. Um, okay. RJ, I don't know about you, but, uh, I'm not going to sleep anymore because I don't know if there's a pod outside my window and I don't know if they're the potato spud types of, uh, gross pods that crawl mm-hmm. up your nose, but I think it's just best to not sleep anymore. So I might die of sleep deprivation. I've heard that you can't die from sleep deprivation, but no, you can. Okay, good. Then I might die, and I think death is better than being a pod. Um, well, maybe if it's one of those Tide pods. Ah, it took, is. I can't believe it took that long. Yeah, see, see, I keep it fresh, babe. We did it. Yeah.
RJ, do you know if you're a pod person? If I was, it would clearly be the superior beings, you know? You know how they're always about, like, it's like, it's better if you're like us. Well, if it was me, baby, you know it would be better. <laughs> you're not talking at all like we've been recording for, like, three <laughs> hours. It's been forever. Ugh. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about, I don't know, snatched bodies. <laughs> We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. I don't think we'll be watching as many movies this week as this past week, but you never know. Uh, we've got that Patreon page, and uh, anything you can send our way is much appreciated. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube. I will be putting this uh, review only, which will still be hundreds of hours long, uh, up uh-huh. sometime tomorrow, as I always do. And next week, we're turning the decades back and jumping into some real classy shit as we're watching oh, spine baby. number 109 in the Criterion oh, Collection, The Scarlet Empress from 1934, Fuck directed by no. Joseph von Sternberg. We are not watching that piece of shit, whatever that is. We're watching a real movie next week, baby. A real movie. Next week, we're going to Alcatraz mm-hmm. and hanging yes. out with our good personal friends, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage, as we watch yeah. Spine 108 in the Criterion Collection. Michael oh. Bay's 1996 film, The Rock. Waited so long for this. So long. This is the only movie I wanted to do since you even brought up this podcast thing. <laughs> this was it. Oh boy. Baby. Tune in next week for all that hot, sweet Michael Bay action. Baby. The last installment of his in the Criterion Creep. So far. <laughs> <laughs>